Gary Hoffman. Yeah. Shannon Farron. And I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. Jaguars, baby. What? Jaguars. Really? Yeah. Um, hey. No, hey. Gangsta, by the way. Gangsta. Injurious Minds goes back in time to become a 1667 John Milton classic. What is Gangster's Paradise Lost? Ah, yeah! Yes. No. No, Alex. Sorry. Gangsta. You got to say gangsta. Our judges have reevaluated one of your responses a few moments ago, Nick. You said gangsters Ooh. instead mm. of gangstas. Ah, song so by gangsta. Coolio. So we song take 3,200 away from you, so you are now in second place. Lisa, you have the lead. Sorry. Alex. 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 So 1995 hip. Oh. Deanna brings up a good point on Facebook at Gary and Shannon. She yeah. says, I want you to stop calling these people parents. Yeah, and I, I agree that. with her completely. This is a uh, this is a strange uh, discussion that I think that people with kids uh, – well, no, that doesn't have to be people with kids. That anybody has had about what you – what you call the Turpins now, David and Louise. They call the ones, them monsters. They're accused of keeping their 13 kids in just absolutely deplorable conditions for the last several years. And as we now know, this has been going on for dec. I mean, we assumed it had been going on for decades. Now we know it because there are people who knew these kids when they were much younger and had befriended them to a certain degree and had said that even then – they were weird and were reluctant to tell adults their names and wouldn't invite friends over and just didn't interact the way normal kids did. We will get to those stories of their former friends that are now speaking out and what the the hours leading up to the arrest look like for this family. But right now, Chris Carlo joins us. He's been on this from the beginning. Chris, uh, give us a refresher course on what we've learned. Well, it's just over the last 24 hours that a lot of the new details have come to light, specifically highlighting and, I guess, accentuating the abuse. So we learned, of course, that it started a long time ago, as you said, Gary. Uh, it started with uh, them just being tied up with rope and then being hogtied. Uh, and then as some of the kids would escape that, uh, I guess, mechanism of detainment, they would then be chained up and padlocked uh, as part of their punishment for doing anything wrong. And the punishment was really for all sorts of silly stuff. For example, uh, the kids would be punished if they washed their hands and they got maybe their arms wet instead of just their hands. Their their parents would accuse them of playing with the water, and at that point they would uh, mete out the punishment. Often when they were chained up to these... you know, whatever furniture with padlocks and and chains, they would not be allowed to use the restroom. And so they would just go wherever they were. That was uh, the smell that was noticed by police as they walked in. Also, they were only taking a shower or two a year. So you can imagine also that you've got 13 kids in there that uh, probably don't smell um, really well. And in a confined space, uh, that adds to these conditions that you go all the way back to day one and that initial press release that was put out by the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. And, and you remember they, they used that language of, of shocked by what they saw. Um, and that language, again, I think 
up a bit more by Mike Hester, the district attorney in Riverside County, yesterday when he called it uh, depravity, human depravity. You know, the question was asked, this sort of case, does this stick with you? He says, yeah, these sorts of cases stick with us anytime you're dealing with this sort of human depravity. And he went back to that point a couple times yesterday as we uh, as we discussed ad nauseum the details of uh, of this case so far. And there's still so much that has yet to come out. You know, it's kind of like I don't know, back in the day you play Legend of Zelda and all the maps are blacked out and as you start walking your way through it, you know, things are illuminated, but you find yourself in the midst of this labyrinth. And I think that's where we're at right now. Bit by bit, we're feeling our way through the darkness. You know what I And sometimes miss? we come up to a dead end. I miss spending my Sundays with you, Chris and Carlo, because you come up with the best analogies that are so off the reservation in a good way. And now I'm going to get in trouble for saying off the reservation. They're, uh, they, they are, uh, they're just they're great. They're great. That is, by the way, the uh, first well, Legend of Zelda reference in the history of the show. Right. So, Mark so that congratulations. down. Mm-hmm. I am uh, I'm glad that I can make history with you guys. <laughs> hey, how did court um, go yesterday? Uh, I wish it was a better story. Yeah. How did the uh, court appearance go? Well, you know, the court appearance, as uh, as these things go, very quick. Um, it, it, here's what was unusual about it. When the media was allowed in, they were already seated, right? Uh, usually they'll, they'll at least walk in and sit down. Um, and also, by the time everything was said and done, they escorted the media out before uh, David and Louise Turpin were able to get up and walk out. So you, you miss that little element of body language. And so much about you know arraignments is all about body language. You don't really hear a lot from uh, the people that are appearing before court. And so in this case, you know it's just one or two words. How did they look? Um, well, they weren't in prison clothes. They were wearing uh, suit jackets and normal civilian clothes. Uh, they were, you know, some people have described David as, as looking dazed. It's tough for me to say that. I was sitting right behind him, so I was staring at the back of his head. But going back and looking at the, the footage from during the arraignment, I don't know if he looked uh, so much as dazed as in just there, right? In a way, it wasn't as though there was nobody at home. You know, it wasn't an empty gaze coming out of his eyes, but he was just there. And same with Louise. And, and I... For me, that I found that even more disturbing. There was no display of emotion, either uh, anger or you know sadness or whatever. Um, there was nothing, and there was also nothing. You know, even on if you're looking on the crazy spectrum a little bit, like there was no kind of laughter, or there was no giggle, or no smirk. I mean, it was just blank. And um, you know, it's tough in these cases. You, you often end up having to kind of like read between the the uh, the eyes here, behind their eyes, and. It's tough to, to figure out what's going through their head, no doubt. Uh, by the way, both uh, represented by public defenders, which may indicate their economic situation. Um, and they're, uh, they're in the middle of kind of sorting out the public defender situation for Louise because obviously they can't both be represented by the same public defender should one you know, decide to testify against the other or something like that. Right. They'll probably have a court-appointed attorney from the panel that they use when there's a conflict. That's exactly what's happening. Yep. Have we ever, conflict panel. The, the, the DA yesterday referred to there was some amount of income. Do we know what, what Dad was doing um, job-wise recently? Not, not really recently. Of course, uh, he had been an engineer, uh, we believe, with uh, various defense contractors. And that was another question I really wanted to get to. And um, it's you guys know this. You've been in crazy news conferences. This one was, I mean, at the apex of crazy news conferences I've been in. But uh, one, there are a couple questions I wanted to ask. One is, did he ever have a uh, clearance? Because if you're working as an engineer for a contractor, there's always a good possibility that you get a security clearance at some level. And that 
opens up all sorts of other doors for conversation. Uh, two was the around the cell phone. How did the girl get the cell phone? How did the girl know how to use the cell phone? Did the pictures that she showed the deputies were those on the cell phone? And we still have yet to get to the bottom of that. How did she even know how to call 911? You know, one of the things we heard is that a lot of these kids did not even know what police officers were. And we also heard that they, you know, for example, the 17-year-old that escaped, she didn't even know what medication was when she uh, when she went in there. So all of these things kind of coming to get together um, again we're feeling our way through the darkness here and and trying to really understand what lies behind the next corner and this is a puzzle unlike really any I've seen um, another angle I'm chasing down today is whether or not this will lead to some sort of reform when it comes to homeschooling and you know one little thing I've unearthed in in working on this California tried to institute some form of homeschooling reform um, I guess it was back in 2008 and there's a national lobby for homeschoolers um, and and they pushed hard against California being able to do this. California tried again, and that national lobby pushed hard again against any sort of regulation that would, at the very least, just require a state visit or a doctor's visit once a year. And so I want to get to the bottom of, of that lobbying effort and know if we will see some sort of reform in the pipeline. So far, we've heard two uh, assembly members say that they want to bring up legislation to that effect. And uh, you know, hopefully this is going to be the tipping point. Chris and Carlo, great work as always. Appreciate your time. Yeah, of course, guys. Well, it looks like, or it sounds like, I guess I should say, that the day before they were arrested, these monsters told friends they were getting ready to leave town. They may have caught this mess of a family right in time. Well, and my mind immediately jumped to some sort of a weird suicide pact with all of them. That's what my only because I mean, up until this point, we would say, oh, that's not possible. You can't have 13 kids in one house or you can't have 13 kids in one house and the neighbors not know it. Or you can't have 13 kids in one house and some of them chained to beds. That would never happen. So there's nothing that's up to this point that's been out of the realm of possibility. So why wouldn't have it been some sort of a weird a, just a a giant murder suicide plot on their behalf. I mean, they're cra- they're crazy. We're not putting anything out of their uh, universe. Okay, they're crazy. It seems that they told people that they were in contact with, and again, I, I don't know through what. If it was a neighbor, if, I, if somebody at the market, I don't know. Uh, but this person spoke to reporters and said, "I saw them about seven or eight p.m. on Saturday." They said they needed to say goodbye because they were getting ready to leave town. They didn't say where or when they were going. She or he says, I couldn't believe it when I saw their pictures on the TV two nights later. Uh, There was no listing, active listing, for this four-bedroom house on real estate websites. There was no for sale sign uh, there. It's no secret that they had been battling debt for years. They took off from Texas because the banks repossessed their homes over outstanding payments. And, oh, my goodness, did you see the pictures from their Texas home after they left? I, I, disgusting. I, I stand by my description of the carpet yes. looking like it belonged in a Civil War hospital, if even though they didn't have carpets is... in Civil War hospitals. If they did, that's what it would have looked perfect, like. Perfect, perfect. The, um, the thing is that if they... Okay, so we know the 17-year-old, according to the DA, had been planning this at least with one other sibling for a couple of years, planning the escape, getting out. 
And I wonder if there was pressure put upon, like, why the timing? If the, the, Because the timing is weird. If she got out Sunday morning and mom and dad had been telling friends, hey, we're going to have to say goodbye soon, like, really soon. Now was the time. What did they tell the kids? They did probably they, told them that we're leaving town or we're going to be with God. I don't know. We're going to shuffle off this mortal coil yeah. and we're going to find a new place to live. The, the, the story that I think is the most interesting to me that I've read about this is this former family friend, this former childhood friend of some of the Turpin kids who talked to a, a newspaper out of Britain. Uh, her name is Ashley Vineyard. She's 25 now. She said she lived across the street from them when they were living in their home in Texas in a, a town called Rio Vista, just outside of, I think it's uh, Fort Worth. She and- says that she was 10 years old. When she met the Turpin kids, she was friends with three of them, Jennifer, Josh, and Jessica. Warning sign, by the way, when you name your kids all of the same letter. I mean, that alone is not enough to cause. Well, I'm looking at you, I think people do that a lot. (laughs) So I think you just offended many, many families. Blake, what's uh, what's what's the B in your uh, in your brother's name? Brent, Brittany, and Blake. That's okay. the three of us. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Money, money's, but, but, money's kids. All three are peas. Yeah. I think a lot of people do that, and now everyone hates you. So just say sorry, and we'll move on. Do you ever feel like you wanted to be an individual, like you wanted to be the penguin in the in the? I'm the only one that starts the with a BL. And, the other it, two are BR, so. Don't you feel there. like you're part of a fabric yeah, you, of a yeah. family? Yeah. You could have been a Brian. Or when a, I was a little kid, I made Brent. up like a whole rap that I was going to use as our home voicemail, but... uh my parents nixed that idea. It was okay, because, me, it was based on the three Bs. Okay, three kids. Three Money's kids got is, three girls. Right, but right? 13 is too many. Is that what you're trying to say, maybe? Yeah, I would say there's a – like, naming your kids' names with the same first letter is okay up to the first half dozen. What about this one? I know a, a family in town that had 13 kids or 12 kids. I think that's what we're talking 12 about 12 kids. Uh, or somebody else? Mormon family. Okay. They went in order of the alphabet. First kid started with an A. That's Next fun. One was a B. Very Sue Grafton. But that's also them. very individualistic, right? Uh, each kid gets to their keep own identity. Like that. Um, I'm looking at you, Duggars. That's there's like a limit. Like the first six, you get you get to name with the one letter. After that, let's mix it up a little bit. I don't think you get to tell people what to do with their children. Just saying, if you want to avoid, if you want to avoid some radio scrutiny. guy scrutinizing your name choices, right? Yeah. <laughs> If you don't want me to pass judgment on you, then uh, stop at six and uh, roll the dice and pick another a new letter. Okay, so Jennifer's the oldest one. She's the one who's 29, who's 82 pounds. Yes. So Ashley says that she was friends with Jennifer, Josh, and Jessica, and that they were friends for several months. They were all about the same age at the time. Before we get to Ashley's story, mm-hmm. we do have this pile of stuff that we have to give away. Maybe it'll make people feel better if you have all of these... I don't know, kids with the same name. Maybe you win $1,000. Here's how. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. All right. By the way, you have to answer the phone. Uh, If you win, they will call you, and they will refer to you by your name, I assume, the one that starts with the same letter as your brothers and sisters. But if they say they're the IRS, hang up. (laughs) And if you don't win, there's another chance next hour. We're doing this all next week as well. Every hour on the 20, we'll give you a way to win 1000 bucks. All right. 
Ashley's story. Ashley's the one who was friends with the Turpin kids. She's 25 now. so Way back in Texas. All about the same age. All right. She says, the first time I noticed them, the kids, the three kids, they were walking up and down the street, the three of them. Josh had a stick in his hand and was poking at rocks on the ground. I'm going to pull the car over for a second. Name uh, one of your childhood friends. Steve. Steve. Stephen Hayden. Do you remember the first time you saw Steve? Probably second grade, I guess. Do you remember what he was doing? Going to school? Right. You don't remember? I don't remember him having a stick in his hand. That's just a very odd detail to remember. But anyway. Maybe he was approaching the sticks in a very odd manner. I mean, you can't put that past him, right? All right. They lived in this home, uh, 2,300 square feet, 36 acres. They lived in it from 1999 to 2010 before they moved to California. The, uh, she says the kids were well, were well-mannered. Yes. But very protective. Refused to talk about their home life. She said she rarely ever went to the Turpin house. And if she did, she would only get as far as the dining room and the kitchen area. Uh, but that she was over there. She began talking to them. They started playing together. We lived out in the country. I was excited to have a group of kids to play with. We mostly played in the front and the backyard. We never played in the house. We played in the creek that runs by their house, catching frogs and minnows and throwing rocks, normal kid stuff, running around, just being crazy and having fun. They didn't talk about their parents or family like a lot of other kids do. He says, every time I innocently asked them about their parents, they sort of shut down. She met the parents. Ashley did. She said, I only met him a few times. The mother always dressed modestly. The father had an intimidating presence, but was quiet. Never said anything. There was a couple of uh, uh, things that she says now, which at the time when you're 10 years old, probably didn't register or didn't necessarily mean anything. But she said if you went into the house, you'd had to go through the back door. She said, I remember there were animal cages and newspapers strewn about the floor, piles with feces on it. They had dogs, cats, and goats. And she says, even though the house smelled of poop at the time, I didn't really think anything of it. Can remember, I pull the car over? She's in Texas, and they're out in the country. Can I pull the car over? So the poop is a, is a smell, You're yes. going to remember that. Right, I mean, what? that's that's odd even if you're 10 years old. You go into your neighbor's house, and there's poop on the floor. I mean, the animals weren't living in the house. Well, the dogs and cats were probably. But the goats weren't, I don't think. But again, you can't say it's not out of the realm of possibility with this family. She doesn't remember seeing any sign of food in the house, any dishes in the sink. The former neighbors say they never saw the mother of the children pregnant. But when the couple moved in, they had about eight kids. By the time they left, they added a few more. Now, Ashley is the one who was playing with these kids when she was young. Her mother, Shelly, talked about a strange encounter that she had with the Turpin kids that ultimately ended their friendship. The kids rarely came over to our house to play, but she says one day when they did come over, I asked them their names. Normal, simple question. Hey, I'm I'm Ashley's mom. Shelly, what's your name? And one of the girls says to her, I can't tell you our names, but if you listen, you might be able to find out what our names are. And then the little sister said, don't say anything to the older sister. At first, she says, I thought she was joking, but later realized she wasn't. At that point, 
I thought something strange was going on over at that Turpin house. Something strange in the neighborhood, I'm telling you. And she didn't do a damn thing about it. Your wife would totally do something about it. Uh, well, she's a manda- she's a mandated reporter now. But before she was a mandated reporter. Uh, if a kid came over, one of your, your she, daughter's friends, and she said, Hi, I'm Shannon. What's your name? And she's like, I can't tell you. Well, here's, here's at least what it's worth happen. a phone call. Here's no, but you could do it. You don't have to do it through a phone call. Even you could gather more evidence. You could spend some time with the neighbor. You could knock on the door every once in a while. Hey, do you have an egg I could borrow? I'm making, yeah. I don't know, brownies, and I ran out of eggs, and I don't want to go down the hill to the store. Do you have any dark chocolate? I'm making treats for Blake. <laughs> yeah, there's ways to poke in on your neighbor without you know calling nine one one. There was one point where Ashley says that she and her mom noticed that there was a big double wide parked out in the backyard. Like it hadn't been there before. Big trailer out behind the house. And that the family moved out of the house into this double wide that was parked in the back. And she says she believes the house that they were living in was so full of dog and cat and goat and people crap that they couldn't live in it anymore, so they had to move out. Now, to give you an idea, and then, and then of course, they got booted out of the house and off the property and moved to California. To give you an idea of the condition in which they left that house, the guy who bought it, the guy who eventually came along and bought it, said that the agents who were showing it had you sign a hold harmless agreement before you set foot on the property. Wow. Because it was so gross and in such disrepair there were portions of the floor that had rotted away, and it was full of the fecum. All right, and it was on the walls. It was oh, there's there was species the on the walls. Yes. Now listen, we were talking a little bit about this before the show in the office. This is kind of the part of the story that you you can't understand. I can fathom in my head in a dark corner parents that or people that have kids and then torture them. I can I. I can see that that is probably a reality for some people. It's still going on today. It's still going somewhere, on today yeah. somewhere where parents have this thing where they want to control whatever happened in their life. They didn't have control or whatever screwed up relationship they had with their parents, whatever. And they want to torture their kids, one or two or all of them. I, the starving of the kids, but the fact that they were all living in all of of the fecal matter and the urine and all of that. And I'm just wondering, I'm, you know, and the kids were starving, so they probably weren't having regular movements, movements, You're right? but still to live. I mean, with this, this account of the Texas home years ago that there was, you know, when they had already moved out, there was still feces on the walls and the carpet. You could tell people were pooping on the carpet and everything. How do you live like that? Cause that's not only torturing your kids, it's torturing yourself as well. I mean, these people were still feeding themselves. They were taking care of themselves and those needs, but they also had to live in this mess. You said this to me yesterday. You're trying to ascribe normal brain function to these people. Yeah. It obviously doesn't exist. Yeah. It's obviously not there. It's I mean, just, Chris's description of them sitting in court, yeah, I mean, just yeah. acting as if it's a normal day for them. Yeah, there's severe mental illness going on with both of them. Or he's a psychopath and she's severely mentally ill or something. I don't know. All right. Uh, this is a story that if there I don't expect a lot of developments out of Paris. That probably the first time that we, we won't have major developments over the course of the day, but we'll keep an eye on it. There's a bunch going on. The, the shutdown about whether or not we're going to see a, a showdown over the shutdown. 
Some interesting developments on that that we'll get to in just a couple of seconds here on KFI. Gary and Shannon. was so white. How white was it? How white was it? So white. The version of TLC Waterfalls that we played on the air did not include the rap verse. Oh, no. Of course not. (laughs) That was how terrified, apparently, people were. I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember that I would get ready to sing it, and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be there. It wouldn't be there. It's like a musical interlude. It's just, here's the bridge with no left eye. What? All right. Gary and Shannon. I can't believe they even played that song on your Whitey White Friday. station. <laughs> right. It's January 19th. Uh, we are a little bit later going to be talking about the latest the latest Me Too edition. Um, the L.A. Times publisher is now under investigation for some past alleged misconduct. And the L.A. Times is just falling all over itself to tell the story. Oh. Look at us. We are so above. We are on our journalist high horse up here. We are going to tell the story of our publisher, the most powerful person at the paper. They're it's like, shaking. oh, Jesus, they Mary and Joseph. Put a picture of a guy shaking a pitchfork. I'm sorry, a woman shaking a pitchfork out there. Ah, we're going to get him. And take one of those uh, one of those torches off the wall in that secret passageway in Staples Center and go after him. Um, oh, and Michael Douglas likes to take his thing out at work. Uh, or does he? Well, he just fondled it, right? He didn't take it out. Wait, like over the pant? I think so. Ugh. <laughs> My God. I mean, I've seen somebody on this floor. Okay, now wait a minute. You're not, but it's not. <laughs> it wasn't fondling. for pleasure. No, it wasn't for pleasure. It was probably comfort at that point. Right. I mean, right. not and not comfort like, like, oh, this is it, comforting. It was like a dude Sunday morning on his couch with his hand down his pants. Yeah, and things that's were, exactly what it was. Things it, had but shifted, it was, but it was here. It was on this floor. It was pulling the uh, Al Bundy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't get it. All right, uh, let's talk about what's going on in. Um, well, which part? Which what, what are we going to talk about? You want to talk about the the shutdown? Well, let's talk about the secret meeting. Well, that's it's not really a secret meeting. The uh, the, the call the president made to uh, Chuck Schumer said, hey, why don't you come over? Let's talk about a deal. The, this is proof to me that the president doesn't want to have this on his hands. This is proof to me that he wants. I mean, it was so he several can say, years ago. I tried. I even talked to the Democrats. Well, the last time we had a government shutdown was uh, October uh, 2013. And at the time, then... Billionaire real estate mogul, because he wasn't a candidate at all. Donald Trump said, hey, a shutdown belongs to the president. That's basically what he said. This is the president's fault, not Congress. It's the president, which he also time, said that the president golfed too much. <laughs> well, he did say that. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, he's reverse chorus on a number of things. So I think what we're doing is uh, we're seeing him trying to get out in front of this and say, listen, I'm doing what I can. This is now in Congress's. Uh, this is in Congress's hands. Here's what I don't understand about it. It's just another punt down the road. For a few it's weeks, not like yeah. they have to agree on a long-term spending bill, which they should be doing, but it's just a punt. 
if they can't agree on a punt, that's a problem. Well, and I, I still stand by this. I mean, there's a bunch of people with their hair on fire on TV who are saying that it looks more and more likely that we're going to have a shutdown. I still don't think we're going to have a shutdown. We still have, what, 14 hours or whatever it is before the government technically, and even technically it doesn't shut down, portions of the government, some government workers won't get paid. It's probably the best way to put it. The all-important stuff will stay up and running uh, as it will. The House passed a version last night, 230 to 197, that would do some things, for example, that the president wanted. It would extend that health care for children, the CHIP program, for six years. It would also delay a couple of Obamacare taxes on medical devices that have been incredibly unpopular. But what it doesn't do is address DACA or disaster relief, and the Democrats want that in there. Now, and they have, I mean, I think they make a point, but the problem is the president has expressed that he is ready to do something with DACA. He is ready, and I think he would be supportive of a plan to extend the DACA protections. The the Democrats do not trust him. And I wonder if that was at least part of the discussion today with Chuck Schumer was, listen, Chuck, you and me, we go way back. Let me tell you, I promise you we will get DACA on the table, but we've got to get this continuing resolution in place so that we keep the government open. Why would you trust him? Do they have a reason to trust him? I don't know. And Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan aren't making any promises. No, in fact, all Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer have done at this point, since this is now stuck in the Senate, is trade barbs back and forth about whose fault this is. And the problem with that was was very loud. loud. I know, and I didn't even bring my lunch. I didn't bring any lunch. So we're going to have a lot of rumbles. I did bring popcorn. There's candy back there. I did bring popcorn. I I can't just eat candy all day. That is a lie. Yeah, it is. But if Chuck Schumer goes to the White House and has some sort of a, a breakthrough with the president, I think that's a significant move. And it's a positive tick in the president's uh, in the president's column. There's a stake out there waiting for this meeting to be done. So there's microphones and everything set up and ready to go uh, with Chuck Schumer's meeting if, once he walks out of that. But, you know. The, the thing is, if there is a government shutdown tonight, if by we don't have an agreement by midnight Eastern time, it's a Saturday. That's, it, that's significant because the full effect wouldn't really hit until Monday when all the federal government offices would be scheduled to reopen anyway. The last time we saw a government shutdown, it lasted a couple of weeks, and in fact, it was on a Tuesday. So there was a more significant and dire deadline if they don't reach a deal by midnight eastern mitch mcconnell and paul ryan have said no one's leaving town we're not going away for vacation or our weekends away we're going to stay here until we get a deal done all right coming up next stormy daniels an adult film star details her affair with the president years ago it's it kind of puts you in a fly-on-the-wall type position, listening to her detailed account of their exchanges. It's, it's, not, it's not a bad story about the president. I mean, Wait, there's the whole... What part of the I mean, there's the, the porn star while you're married thing? There's that. That's a problem. Okay, so there is some But I negative. assume that this guy ran around on his wives because he's so rich and powerful, and that's just what those guys do. So it was kind of like, well, you knew he was going to cheat on him. But now you're hearing the details of how that went down. She's got a lot of details. Gary and Shannon will continue.
and Shannon. More bad flu news coming up after the top of the hour. Also, living in the backyard, the new trend in California. We'll talk about that as well. Keep an eye on D.C., see if the president and Chuck Schumer hammer anything out. And we also need to get to the story about the Las Vegas shooter and what's going to happen to his ashes. Talk about that coming up in the next hour. And we've watched this story about Larry Nassar, the Team USA Gymnastics uh, doctor who was... Just this disgusting piece of crap human being. Some of the victim impact statements uh, from the yesterday and Allie Raceman, who at one point was told she wasn't going to be able to give a victim impact statement because it would have violated a non-disclosure agreement. She gave her statement today. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Well, the, the Stormy Daniels story hasn't gone away or I it's resurfaced, I guess is a better way to put it. The Wall Street Journal last week talked about how uh, one of the president's lawyers apparently used a private Delaware company to pay her $130,000 for her not to go public a year and a few months ago, right before the election. Although I don't think anything would. I I heard someone on CNN say this. If the Access Hollywood tape didn't drown this guy's campaign. No, this, this isn't going to do anything. it's not going it's to. Not. But it's still um, fascinating. I guess you could say it's still interesting to hear the details of the affair. This all goes back to 2011 uh, when she did po- uh, she took part in a golf tournament, a charity golf tournament up at Lake Tahoe. Uh, well, no, this was 2006. Oh, the interview was 2011. Right. This was okay. uh, 2006 when when they met and she's uh, she's working in the gift room. All right. So let's just uh, let that soak in for a minute. They've right. got a porn star working in the gift room for all the rich golfers. Uh, handing out gift bags, which include adult videos. Anyway, you got to know how the other half lives once in a while, don't you? And it's gross. Um, but he sees her at this golf course, and he's like, "Oh, I want to, I want to come talk to you later." He kept looking at her. I want you, I want you to come talk to me later. Uh, all right. So he gets her number, and uh, he says, "You want to have dinner?" She says, "Sure." So he tells her to come up to his room at Harris, the top of the floor there, South Shore, top floor. I guess I should say. And uh, she goes up to the room, and she's met outside by his bodyguard, Keith. Uh, Keith's always with him. Uh, that's how she would get in touch with him, by the way. When, when she got the number, it was Keith's number, not the president's private cell phone. And Keith says to her, oh, yeah, he's waiting for you inside. She says she goes in. She was all dressed up because go- she thought they were going to dinner. But he wasn't dressed to go out at all. He was just lounging. And she says she, she remembers taking a jab at him. He was, like, sprawled out on the couch watching TV. And she says something like... Um, Hey, does Mr. Hefner know you stole his outfit? Zing. She says he got all huffy, tried to play it off, and said something to the fact of, oh, I thought we would just relax here. So they go on to have dinner. They don't have any alcohol. She says she thought it was weird because he has a vodka brand, but no drinking. And she says she doesn't drink when she's working. She thought that they were having a a business talk, I guess. I don't know. Uh, And he starts telling her about, oh, you should be on TV. You should be on my show kind of thing. The Apprentice, right? And she's like, NBC's never going to put a porn star on The Apprentice. And he's like, I think I could get it done. They let me They let me have a wild card pick so I can push through anyone I want to push through. So anyway, she, uh, she goes to the bathroom and comes back out and he's on the bed. And he says, you know, why don't you come over here? And they start kissing. And then that leads to the sex. And she said to she she uh, thought was thinking in her head during the sex. I hope he doesn't try to pay me. You know, I'm not a hooker. 
And then she's like, well, I, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about hookers. It's just I've never done that before. I'm like, well, why would you have sex with Donald Trump then? She's like, well, he's an interesting person. I don't know why I did it. I still don't know why I did it to this day. Yeah. The interviewer asked, were you attracted to him? And her answer was, would you be? She said, I was more fascinated. I was definitely stimulated. We had a really good banter, good conversation for a couple of hours. I could tell he was nice, intelligent in his conversation. Did you think the conversation would have led to what happened? And she said, yeah. My game was all wrong, apparently. I mean, other than the fact that he could throw around hundreds of millions of dollars and not blink an eye. I think we're learning a lot of shortcomings when it comes to game. With this whole Me Too movement in the lines these guys use. Like, what the hell? That actually worked? Her, the big takeaway was also that it was boring. I mean, just she said it was nothing crazy. It was just one position. I can describe his junk perfectly if I had to. But that was it. Like, just a normal. Here's the thing. He has as much admitted to extramarital affairs. This, this isn't a thing. The idea that it's out now and that the lawyers may have uh, put together a payment, you know, this $130,000 payment supposedly before the election, just before the election so the story didn't get out. Also not a – I don't know anybody who would be surprised by any of this. But it does give this weird glimpse into this guy's life. By the way, he was also hanging out with Ben Roethlisberger. And in fact, at one point, he almost – uh, tasked Ben Roethlisberger with uh, acting as her bodyguard at one point. Like, hey, make sure you get you take care of her, walk her up to her room at the end of the night, which he did, at, I guess, at some party that they were at. So just a weird, anyway, very weird story. All right. The latest on the Me Too movement. The LA Times is now jumping all over itself to out one of its own and investigate the publisher who is now uh, accused of past wrongdoings, not currently, in past jobs. Well, and it's up to you whether this is wrongdoing. You be the judge. And do you, does it count as fondling yourself if you keep your pants on? Very important. Gosh, hard-hating questions today on Gary and I'm Shannon. More of this next. Shannon, KFI AM 640. The flu may be spread just by breathing, according to a new study. We'll get into that coming up this hour. Uh, But we start with the L.A. Times report about its publisher. Yeah, the the Times parent company, which is called Tronk. Somebody's got to get in there and step in and change that name. Tronk, T-R-O-N-C. Tronk says it has opened an investigation into past conduct of the current publisher of the L.A. Times, a guy named Ross Levinson, following a report that came out on NPR. NPR reported that he has been a defendant in two sexual harassment lawsuits and that he engaged in frat boy behavior in work settings before joining the Times in August. Trunk chief executive says this week the company learned of allegations of inappropriate behavior by Ross Levinson. 
let's among these accusations. He was sued in separate sexual harassment lawsuits while he was an executive at a couple of different corporations. And by his own testimony, when he was working at the search engine, Alta Vista, remember that? When he was working there, he admitted to rating the relative hotness of his female colleagues in office banter as a vice president at a digital media company. He also testified he speculated about whether a woman who worked for him there might have been a stripper on the side. Okay. The guy's an a-hole. But does this rise uh, to the level? Uh, uh, uh. Okay, Are I you mean, the L.A. Times. I am not the L.A. Times. No, but come on, rating the hotness a-hole behavior. Yes. I'm wondering if somebody's a stripper. How many times have we wondered what people around here do on their off time? But we've never said. Gosh, I wonder if that. I wonder if she's a sex worker. That's on true. The side. Well, would you call a stripper a sex worker? Yes. No. A performer. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't An know what artist. A.B. King does. Tell me what. It, no. Hey, now, hey, hey. Now, hey. wait a minute. Blake. That man. Amy King is a 10. Shannon, that's the nicest thing you ever said to me. See, she's cleaning <laughs> up her mess now by saying that you. No, it's it's true. All right. Now I feel bad. All right, you should. Now I feel like I'm going to get in trouble by the uh, parent company. But, ha- I mean, come on. Hashtag Amy, too. Do we need to be uh, – that was that was clever. Amy, too. Um, do we have to – We have to be put, careful. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. I get that. But does this need to be breathlessly reported? Okay, Matt Damon, listen. It's not listen. like he touched his let – me, Let me Matt explain this to you. Yeah, please. Um, there are different degrees – of what we're talking about when it comes to sexual impropriety. Yes. And I'm just saying that as a giant, right, wide-ranging umbrella to cover everything from a violent sexual assault to an unwanted comment. Everything. Sexual impropriety. This guy is a king apple, it sounds like. All right? And would you want to work with this guy? Um, would you want to? And I'll have, I'll, I have you a follow-up to that. I'm not. I, would you? I don't have the same sensibilities that yes, other people have. I know, but if you had a choice. When you're extremely crass in our office every when, day, right. it doesn't bother me. But You, you do, know what I mean? It doesn't, do wish, I don't think twice about it. You do wish you worked with Dean, who is much less likely to be crass. No. I mean, Dean's a nice guy, but I. I don't I don't I don't look at that stuff as a problem. Okay, well in my in rehearsal when I said would you want to you know, work with the guy? You know, if you were in the office and you're like, "Oh, Amy King, you looking hot today. She's a 10 today." I'd be like, "Okay, you're a douche, right?" But I wouldn't it wouldn't I wouldn't think twice about it like I cannot live in this or work in this environment anymore. Amy, I don't do that. Just to be clear. So you're saying I'm ugly? No, that's the See, this is the other track that exists. In rehearsal, when I said, would you want to work with the guy? You said no. And I said, but could you work with the guy? You would say, of course. Yes. So in rehearsal, that's the way it went down. Is he good but, at his job? Does Well, now wait. Now now you're getting into a weird territory where you would excuse the guy's behavior based on his performance. Sure. Okay. Harvey Weinstein made... Millions and millions of dollars But he was raping people. people. He wasn't saying so-and-so's hot. So there is a degree. Sure. Okay, all right. I so, mean, th- this behavior, if he was good at his job, kind of floats away for me. I'm just telling you personally. My it, personal uh, people, but then it's like uh, taking out your penis. All right, now you've crossed over 
over the 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 barometer here. But what if you're good at it? No, that's I mean the too job. Far. It's too far. Comments, uncomfortable comments that people make. That should not. I, I just. I don't think that we should even have that in the same conversation as the Weinsteins and the people that are taking their penis out at work. So what you're saying as a woman is you have tough skin. As and me, comments like this. For me just personally. You, that's yes. only you. Comments like this wouldn't bother you to the point where you felt you were in an uncomfortable working place. No, but okay. that's also working because I would hit back. I would have no problem hitting back and be like, dude, you're being such a jackass. So you, know, you can't don't say that. So if he said, "Hey, you look like you work uh, as a stripper on the side," you would say to him something like, "Thank you. You look, you look like a mayonnaise dispenser." Right. A couple. Wait, of, that's that's. Uh, let's move on. I mean, the shape of <laughs> let's the. Keep going. Let's just keep sh- going. Shape of one. <clears throat> couple of witnesses said that they were sock, uh, shocked to see Ross Levinson aggressively kissing and pressing himself against a woman at a glitzy music industry dinner in plain view of his subordinates and clients because he was married at the time. Okay. Does that also, I mean, it's a work thing, all right? So let's assume that we are at a, I don't know, a We're co- at uh, cocktail a party cocktail or something. Party. And I see uh, Handel making out with some woman. Is that is that offensive? No. Again, it's jackass behavior. <laughs> Gary's throwing up. Uh, you know what I mean? It's it, well. I'm just thinking of somebody powerful at our station, and because our boss is a woman. Uh, okay, if I saw Robin make it out with some guy that wasn't her husband, is that offensive to me? No. Like, how is that? How, as an employee, well, do you get to take issue with something? That somebody is doing in their private life. But it's not private. It's at a work event. But is it also even your business to say anything to anybody? No, it's not. At a work event, though? You can't. I don't have a problem with it. I'm I'm lost here. Shannon's going to let you live your life. Yeah, I know. But even in in the context of what if what if when you guys walked in this morning, Mm -hmm. I was on the phone in hushed tones. I text your wife. And I'd be like, dude, his game sucks. Why wouldn't you text our boss's husband? Because it's not. Uh, uh, because she's my boss. So? So I I would, I would. Uh, Shen has a different relationship with you than yeah. she would her. One right. Of her right. And yeah. a, right. more importantly, a different relationship with my wife than she would with the boss's husband. Exactly. What if it swept right. around and you saw and you saw. And uh, have you ever seen Dawn mad? I don't want to do that. But what if you saw what if you saw Dawn? Would you tell Robin? Yes. Probably. No, probably not. Because I kind of work for him now, too, with the, the Chargers. <laughs> Listen, I'm, okay, gonna, but wait, I'm not going to rat out any of my bosses ever. But, then, but that just that activity then puts you in a position where you would fear retribution if you were to say something. Oh, I see where you're going. All right, that's true. That is true. And that's and I think that's one of like a. a I didn't look at it that way. A twist on the thing, but I mean, it puts you in a bad position. It does. You're right. Um, Levins, Ross Levinson also supposedly told an executive for the Hollywood Reporter that he wouldn't, he wasn't going to stay at this lunch that honored a bunch of the. Fashion stylist and et cetera, because it'd be surrounded by gays. Also, I, I think he used the term faggots, uh, uh, according to the executive. He didn't want to be around, surrounded by gays and ladies, I think, is but he used the F word. I don't think we can say that word. We did. Um, but the, I, again, that he's an apple for saying something like that. And you may not necessarily want to work for the guy, but you could. 
we've all been in, put in positions with working for or around apples, have we not? Yes. And the, the question is, how then do we deal with them? I mean, there is. It's just I, part of life that you're going to have to learn how to deal with apples. And that's my issue with this whole Me Too situation. To a certain there level. Is, we're never going to be able to eradicate all the apples. We're never going to eradicate all the men that speak with their genitals. All right. It's never going to happen. It's just not human nature. Men are made the way they're made with testosterone pumping through their bodies. That is, it's just, it's going to happen. You're never going to be able to eradicate all this behavior. So how do you deal with it? That should be the question. Is it a company never going to hire an apple? No, because a lot of times being powerful and successful successful goes hand in hand with the same things that make somebody an apple. It's testosterone. It's confidence. It's all of those things. So... How do you deal with it? That's what should be taught. Well, the the Times newsroom has been, by the way, been trying to figure out whether or not they're going to uh, to unionize. Different, whole different story. But the newsroom is suggesting that Ross Levinson be fired as publisher, saying that he's not fit to lead our newspaper. And they said that the owners, the parent company, Trunk, should have done a better job of properly vetting this guy. Because if NPR can find it out, why doesn't the executive hiring firm or the headhunters or whatever that, that, that picked him as the publisher, why didn't they find out about these behavior problems? That's a very that interesting uh, interesting thing you bring up about is this going to be the new normal for headhunters? That not just digging into employment history, but, but personal history. Oh, look, the doors have opened there at the White House. And all the gaggle of uh, reporters and photographers is surrounding the doors. Uh, Again, the president's meeting with Chuck Schumer called him this morning, said, hey, why don't you come over? Let's uh, talk about this government shutdown situation. There are microphones set up, but you can't really see past the gaggle of uh, reporters. They're going to wait for him to come out. Uh, What what would you serve in that case? I would serve Cool Ranch Doritos. Ooh, I think that would be a fantastic. Dude, that is a craving. Yeah, you just lit that craving up. So let me, I want to go back to this. How dare you? Because I don't even think we have Cool Ranch in the vending machine. I don't Mm. even think that's a possibility. So now we can, now no one can do anything about the craving. It's not exactly the same, but I do have Cheez-Its back there. Uh, Those Cheez-Its are old and moldy and they should be thrown out. Oh, look who's talking. The, uh, let me explain though about this story about him groping all over this woman. Bill, oh, wait, he groped? The, the publisher groped somebody? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, this, the, making out with this grinding on this lady. It was, oh, that, it was, no, that was consensual, though. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But let me just kind of paint this picture for you to give you an idea of this was a work event. May 2013, Billboard holds a dinner and a party the night before the Billboard Music Awards in Vegas. Uh, Guggenheim Partners stages the dinner, sponsored by Samsung, at Hakkasan Restaurant there in the MGM. A um, bunch of people get together. They talk about drinks. Calvin Harris is there. He had an EDM set. And according to two eyewitnesses who were at this dinner, Ross Levinson aggressively kissed a woman, his hands ranging over her body, in open sight of others present, including his own employees. Uh, his then wife showed up in Vegas the next day. Now, according to the witnesses, the physical contact appeared reciprocated. 
No one has said that this was against her wishes, being whoever this other this woman was. But two witnesses said that they believed it inappropriate and unprofessional. Yes, that is exactly right. It is inappropriate and unprofessional. But and, we your, get, I, and your willingness to tell the wife or go to corporate would depend on your relationship with the wife. I don't know. I can't put myself in that situation. There's too many. Uh, there's too many. Uh, what's the word I'm looking looking for? Repercussions. No possibilities? Uh, possibilities. I guess you could say. I mean, like I, don't, I don't know. Do you... I, I don't know what his relationship is with his employees. I don't know. We obviously know what the relationship is with this woman on the dance floor, right? But it's inappropriate and unprofessional. But should there be a witch hunt for this guy over that? Uh, I don't know. I have a problem with getting all worked up about uh, your boss making out with some girl at a work party in Vegas. I don't know. Not your. I, I'm a libertarian when it comes to people's, you know, their relationship. Yeah, I'm not going to judge that. I mean, unless it he's was a, he's me, an Apple. Unless it was me. Well, you don't deserve your wife to begin with. So, yeah, I would <laughs> totally. I, and I say that not as something uh, against uh, know, you. No, you're wonderful. I know where it comes from. But she's really wonderful. She's wonderfuler. Is what you're saying. But you are wonderful. She's just wonderful. Can we talk about Michael Douglas? Please, after we give away $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. Don't forget, you got to answer the phone when she does call. Uh, She? she... Is it going to be a woman? What if it's a man? Well, I'm. I was going to show you the text that my wife sent me. The wonderfuler of the two of us. Oh yeah. Because if you remember, uh, by the way, you got to answer the phone when they call. <laughs> if you win a thousand dollars, and if you don't answer, they'll go to the next person and give away a thousand bucks. So remember, we were talking with Petros uh, about the Bachelor, and he mentioned something about um, Share not having much of a, a derriere. Uh huh. Back when she did the uh, turn back time. Turn- Found that uh, battleship. And I said, I became a man that day. Oh, yes. You said that was man time. So I don't know if you could read the text itself just because of the content in it. But I sent her a picture. (laughs) I sent her a picture of Cher. So she was just asking me, oh, so Cher is your mulligan, I guess is one way to put it. Oh, God. And I sent her an old picture of Cher. And then she sends me a picture of the rock. So yes, she's more wonderfuler than I am. Sorry, uh, Oscar. She, you are going to have to compete with my wife for Dwayne Johnson's no, affections. No, no, no. I can't compete with that. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say men and women want to be cradled by Dwayne Johnson. Right? Like you would be cradled. No. If if The Rock walked in here right now and yeah. said and offered I'd to pick him. you up and hold you in his arms like a baby. And he said, come to daddy. Yeah. You, you would jump, totally right do it. You would totally do it. That's actually something he'd probably say. It's know? not. It doesn't mean that you like men that at all. It seems like you have rehearsed that way too many times, Oscar. That's, <laughs> I don't know. I have daddy. a pillow with a rock on it. I dream about it sometimes. You know. <laughs> mm. All right. Michael Douglas. Your poor wife. <clears throat> Michael Douglas. Um, a woman who worked for Michael Douglas back in the 80s says that he fondled himself in front of her. Mm. He was on the Today Show today. He calls it a complete lie, by the way, a fabrication. 
she seems she seems kind of single white female, doesn't she? Did you watch the video? <laughs> yes, it's funny. He, Good he way to put it. He mentioned something about. Um, he thinks that she's just upset with the tra- uh, trajectory of her life or lack of career and that she's lashing out now. Well, she had been telling this story to her friends for a very long time. And I think we've seen that is a, that is a common thing uh, for women to have shared these stories about these uh, powerful men doing things but not going to law enforcement to do it. But, I mean, if nothing else, at least it shows that – in the moment that it was going on, contemporaneously, they were they were upset about it enough to talk to their girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever about this. So in the late 80s, uh, Susan Brody, I think is her name, was uh, hired to run the New York office of Stonebridge Productions launched by Michael Douglas. One of the biggest, most powerful stars in Hollywood since then, but in the 80s was definitely one of his high points. This is when he was doing Wall Street and Fatal Attraction and, and all of that. Romancing the Stone was another one. Um, that... He was about 40, I would say. Yeah. Now, she said that she was subjected to sexual harassment by Michael Douglas that included near constant profane and sexually charged dialogue. I think we know people like This was the 80s, too. Demeaning comments about her appearance, graphic discussions regarding his mistresses, and more. But she said the most traumatizing thing in all of this took place during a one-on-one script meeting in his apartment. During which he masturbated. To, can I say that? To what? Finish? Yes. Yes. Sure. Is that... Did that happen, or did he just touch himself oh, a I little bit? I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. I guess it doesn't matter. She says one early afternoon in 1989, they were brainstorming an idea about an E.T.-like character, and she recalls him sliding down the back of his chair onto the floor. <laughs> her quote, by the way, her quote, <clears throat> um, Michael unzipped his chinos, and I registered something amiss. Still complimenting my additions to our E.T. imitation. So it's proof that Hollywood doesn't have any new ideas. His voice lowered at least half an octave. I peered at him and saw he'd inserted both hands into his unzipped chinos. Hmm. I realized to my horror that he was rubbing his private parts. and Within seconds, his voice cracked and it appeared to me he'd had an orgasm. She said she closed her notebook, rushed for the door, said nothing. It's a weird move. Surprised I wasn't falling to pieces, even though I was humiliated. I realized he thought he could do anything he wanted because he was so much more powerful. Michael ran barefoot after me to the elevator, zipping his fly, buckling his belt. Hey, thank you. You're good. You helped me. Thank you. Oh, that's gross. That is gross. She said she ran all the way home, 13 blocks. She ran in New York City all the way to her house, got to her door got into bed, crawled under the quilt, and said, I vowed I would never be alone with him again. She said, and this, this struck me, she said, I'd never heard there was a phenomenon called sexual harassment and didn't know the term until the Anita Hill hearings in 1991. Interesting. I remember those so vividly. But do you remember them as being the day you knew what sexual harassment was? I mean, granted, she was much well, older than I was you 11. were at the time. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I, I knew... Uh, about that. But, I mean, this this kind of behavior ran rampant in the 80s and before. 
Now, things are a lot better for, and I, I get it, it's not great, it's not perfect, but things are a lot better for, for women in the workplace than they were certainly in the late 80s. Well, there's an interesting version. Uh, the, the interesting angle of this is Michael Douglas got out in front of it. He gave a phone interview last week before the Hollywood Reporter published these allegations, before she went on the Today Show. And without saying her name, knowing who she was, obviously, he said maybe she's disgruntled. Her career didn't go the way she hoped, and she is holding this grudge. That strategy didn't alter the way the Hollywood Reporter vetted their story. They said, we determined that both Brody's story and his denial deserve to be published. This is uh, perhaps, or I should say, this this may be an indication that there is a problem with this Me Too movement, is that the Hollywood Reporter, had they been told of this story one year ago, would they have published it? And I don't know the answer to that. Because no. if it's just no. her word yeah. against his, a year ago that story would never have made it to print. You're right. But now because the... Window of believability, perhaps, has been stretched by this. The she said side of the he said, she said argument has a lot more weight right now. Right. All right. Coming up next, scary study about the flu and how it could be spread. And we're not even to the worst peak time yet. Tell you all about it. Gary and Shannon will continue. The single, the cassette single. Is it real? Is it? Oh, no, wait. Oh, that was Informer. Remember the Informer? Yes. By Snow? Yeah. That was the one single I had. I don't think I had this single. Uh, all right, Gary and Shannon on Friday. Flashback Friday year is 1995. Good year. That was the uh, first year of the year soon to be world champion Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm, are you putting your money on that right now? I have to if I have any chance of winning. Oh, I see. Uh, You're plotting. Yes, at least for this weekend. Because uh, there's some stories about Tom Brady and his broken pinky. Oh, calm down. So uh, That's just Belichick screwing with your head. Did you hear any of his news conference from earlier today? No. I think it was. They are asking him all questions about Tom Brady, and he'd go, just getting ready for Jacksonville. What about, uh, has it affected practice at all? It's Friday. Okay. All right. Uh, Chuck Schumer did come out of that meeting with the president, by the way. In Washington, and reporters caught up to him as he returned to Capitol Hill. And all he would say of any import was, we have made progress. So we don't know what that means, but they are trying to avoid a federal government shutdown midnight Eastern time. So just a little over nine hours to go for the Senate to come in and vote on it. The House did pass a measure last night. Now it's in the Senate's version, Senate's uh, court. Did you get yesterday in your mailbox the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences? Probably not. Oh, you didn't check? Well, I was busy with some other stuff. I thought you read that one right away when you no, got it. No, 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 no. The classified ads in that are very funny. A study released in that issue yes. reveals that we may pass the flu to others just by breathing. Researchers at San Jose State, UC Berkeley, say that there's new evidence of the flu's airborne qualities. 
Researchers found large quantities of infectious viruses in the breath exhaled by those suffering from the from the flu. <laughs> I'm I'm only laughing because this is the, a, where's this the stuff? It's a, give me the one? stuff. What do you want? Give me that. You want uh, a wipey yeah. or you know, the Lysol? With a, no, no, no. Okay. I don't want the Lysol. I want the Purell. Purell. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Thank you. Just, you, you want, all right. Michael Douglas right there. Okay. There you go. <gasps> now, listen. If you... If you if you think about this, what we've learned about the transmission of colds and flu, et cetera, <laughs> is that you've got to, for one thing, if you are sick, you're the you cough into your elbow or tissue or something like that and get rid of it. And if you're on you're working with people who are doing all that sort of stuff, you just stay clean. You know, keep your surfaces clean, wash your hands all the time. Try to stay away from people who are coughing. Even that does not provide complete protection from getting the flu. Staying at home and out of public places could make a difference in the spread of the flu virus. But that they're not telling you uh, if you're healthy to just avoid public places. They're saying if you're sick, avoid public places. One hospital in Southern California has had to set up an outdoor triage tent to handle the overflow of people with the flu. Loma Linda University in San Bernardino County. The chief of medical operations there says we've never had so many patients. Other hospitals in the area, while not erecting tents, have been forced to take other steps. In Orange County, they've got a fast-track triage system moving things along. In Long Beach, hospitals have started visitor restrictions. Uh, In the South Bay, a conference center has been transformed into an ambulatory flu clinic. Oh, my God. And this is now this is what I think is the most frightening underlying uh, underlying story in all of this is this is just the flu. I mean, when we talked about whatever pox was monkey pox or or bird flu or swine flu, I mean, all of these different stories that we had about potential bugs that would be deadlier than just the flu. That's what terrifies me, is that this is just a normal, everyday flu. Granted, it's a different one. It's a different strain, slightly different, which makes it uh, less resistant to the flu virus, or sorry, the flu vaccine that was was distributed this year. It's still just the flu. It's just that this has been so widespread that it's taxing the hospital system. You know what's eerie? Is it's the hundredth anniversary of the Spanish flu pandemic? I heard Brian Suits say that, and it terrified me. Yeah, a nineteen eighteen, it killed fifty to a hundred million people worldwide. Now, so far in Riverside, Riverside you know who died no. of that? Madame Curie, Betty White's husband's father, Alan Liddell. Yeah, Lud- is that his name? Ludden. Ludden. Oh, yeah, sorry. You're yeah. Oh, God. Ludden's father died of Spanish flu. I just You're looked not... that up when I went down the Betty White hole the other day. There have been six reported deaths in Riverside County so far compared to two during the entire previous flu season. All right. So three people died in San Bernardino County compared to two last flu season. But to give you an idea of the numbers, and again, this is just for San Bernardino County. Granted, it's a giant county. Just for San Bernardino County, they saw a 300% increase in the number of flu reports in the first week of January. They went from 38 in a week to 150. How are we going to stop this situation? 
We, it's well, 2018. Let me, it's let not me 1918. You, let me give you an example of how we're going to stop this. Michelle has been sick for a week, right? Producer Michelle from The Handle Show. Yeah. She's doing it right. She's staying home and taking care of herself and not forcing herself to go back to work too early. And believe me, everyone appreciates that because yeah. nobody wants this. Nobody wants this. How come Oscar hasn't gotten the flu yet? Oscar never gets sick. And when he does, you don't know about it. He keeps it on the DL. Oh, so I'm like the evil person right now. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> you're just flu shaming you. Yeah, you, you're flu shaming me. You don't seem to get sick. And when you do, no, you just power through it. I don't get sick very often. When I do, it's, you know, sometimes it hits me pretty hard. Yeah. But I'll take those days off. You know, right. If it's. Really it's like you have an immune system, like an invisible Dwayne Johnson just you know, surrounding you. You know, it's funny. Is the last time I got sick, I went over to my sister's house, and she has three young children. So I was playing with the kids for a while, and one of them <laughs> literally coughed on me, mm-hmm. and then I got the baby germs. Yeah. And that put me down for like a week. Yeah. That was last year, I think it was. That's what happens yeah. when, when I, yeah. And up until then, I hadn't really been sick for like a couple years. You know, you gotta I haven't watch been out. sick since then. Ernie's got to watch out, too. There's a dog flu going around. Right? Yeah. Right. And you can't really tell when they get sick. No. He's old now. He just has, like, arthritis in his back, back legs. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. I don't want to get old. He's a slow old man. All right. Coming up next, <laughs> living in the backyard. It's not, the new thing. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Your parents live in the backyard. Kind of. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, still a lot of work to be done in Washington, D.C. to avoid a government shutdown. Chuck Schumer did meet with President Trump today at the White House and has made his way back to Capitol Hill. A little bit later, we're going to be uh, getting an update from D.C. about what's going on. But it is in the Senate's hands now. The House did vote a version last night, which would be a continuing resolution to help keep the government open for a few weeks. We'll see where this goes. Oh, man, we've got a story to tell you about involving a tapeworm coming up <laughs> after the top of the hour. Oh, wait, wait. I have even more important news. What? Well, I was just going to say uh, that there are no symptoms, really, to having a tapeworm. That's not it. And that if there are, it includes being tired, no. abdominal pain. No tapeworm news here. I'm she, just saying. Shannon is scaring herself into thinking she has one. Right. You told me a long time ago when I gave myself a kidney problem. <laughs> Not to Google things. Yeah. You know? And then all of a sudden. <laughs> when I left work and I was like, you guys, I have a, I have a kidney. My kidney's like Shut, shutting, down. shutting down. And uh, it was back pain. Breaking news. What? Kim. Oh, yeah. And Kanye. Yeah. Have named their third child. Oh, my God. There you go. Stand by. Stand by. Kim and Kanye's third child will be named Chicago West. Stop it. Because Kanye was born in. Wait, no, seriously. Are you serious right now? Yes. Because Kanye was born in. Chicago. Atlanta, actually. Oh. <laughs> but he went to Chicago. He lived in Chicago for a long time, I guess. Okay. Chicago. Uh, all right. I like Chicago. It's a I'm great sure. city. Sure. And the home of not Kanye. Interesting. At least not the hometown. But he did grow up there. Aren't they Dutch? Did you know he lived in China? Kanye? You know, Kanye, when he was 10 years old, he moved to Nanjing, China. You know, there's a lot about Kanye I don't know. 
Is he still in Montana getting away from those people? Oh, no. No, he's back. He's back for the baby? Yeah. Chicago. So now there's North, Saint, and Chicago. Chicago. Mm-hmm. Which is the best name? Ooh, I like I like. Sh- I kind of like Chicago. Because uh, then people are going to start naming people after their towns, and you're going to run into somebody named West. Name my baby Nevado. Petaluma. That's a little lengthy. <clears throat> All right. Speaking living of, in, speaking speaking of, of your air, parents. Yep. Living in the backyard. Not a bad idea. We've actually talked about this a bit with uh, with Dean Sharp about how real estate has sort of changed. Dwellings have changed in that a lot of places are getting building permit applications for for in-law units. They're officially called an accessory dwelling unit. You and I know them as granny flats or in-laws, right? Yes. Um, San Jose, for example, the city of San Jose, they've seen a five-fold increase between 2015 and last year for these unofficial in-law units. Well, and it's impossible to to buy a home in the Bay Area. I, okay, 15, I want to say maybe even 20 years ago, my wife and I visited uh, a college roommate of mine who had just started a job with Yahoo back when Yahoo was something. And... We were driving to a park. My son was, I don't know, a year old maybe. And we were going to go play with the baby at the park. And we drove by this house, just a you know, nondescript neighborhood in San Jose. And every single home on that block was a $2 million house for maybe a 1,200-square-foot 1200 foot rambler. Yeah. But it was a $2 million house because everybody there was making billions of dollars in all of these tech startups 20 yeah. years ago. So that's that's and that has not stopped at all. That uh, in dramatic growth, real estate growth up in that Bay Area. So there's a for example, there's a woman, Megan Kellogg. 31 years old, she was able to move back to Richmond. And just to give you an idea, Richmond is not a, a great place. But because of all of the real estate in the Bay Area that's gone up so far, even, you know, all of the boats in the harbor are going to be raised when the when the tide comes in. So she gets to move back to Richmond where she grew up, but she couldn't afford it unless she was able to move into a, one of these granny flats. So she finishes construct. I don't know if she did it herself. 300 square foot granny flat unit in the backyard of her childhood home. And when it's complete, she says... They are going to switch with mom. She lives with her husband and three-year-old son in a 300-square-foot granny flat. And when it's done, they're going to switch. Mom's going to move into the actual granny flat, hence the name. And she's going to move in with her new family into the bigger house. But my parents – okay, so my parents don't – they don't live in the backyard. They They sleep in their home. They just sleep in the backyard. And is it – they're over a – like an overhanging or something? There's a retractable awning, yes. Um, How do they keep the bedding clean? Like from leaves and things. Well, there's no trees right No trees. No, oh, okay. Trees aren't close. And then is there a fence in the backyard separating them from neighbors, or is it just open space? Yeah, there's a fence. Okay. Um, approximately 150 yards to the sides and maybe 250 yards down okay. on the hill. And when did they start sleeping outside? The moment they moved into that house. They just said, oh. I think it was very soon after they moved into the house, yeah. What was the the, the thought process? Wouldn't you? Yeah, but I just want, I just, I don't know if I would come to that. I don't know who was first. Right. Like, I don't know if, like, uh, one day dad fell asleep on the backyard lawn and yeah. was like, hey, this seems kind of nice. Yeah. And hey, Gary and Shannon. Out here. Yes. I just wanted to let you know that we're getting word now that LAPD Chief Charlie Beck is announcing he's 
stepping down. Yep. June 27th will be his last day. Why? He's been on the job 40 years. I mean, he's 64 years old. It's time. You know, he wants to enjoy his life and not have to hear from John and Ken every day. (laughs) I get it. I wonder how many people have put that in their uh, decision-making hopper when it comes to retirement. I bet it's a factor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Maybe uh, maybe he makes some comments a little bit later. He's um, uh, making them right now, I think. Oh. Andrew Mullenbeck is there. We are going to do uh, our trending segment in a little bit. Also, a decision we have made about Gas Fantasy foreplay coming up in just a few minutes also. When we continue with Gary and Shannon. This is how we do Was Blake alive in 1995? I was. Oh. Yeah. So Charlie Beck retiring. June 27th is last day. What else is going on? Time for what's happening. I know. We all were. Which is why I tried to uh, speed things along there. Well, we're getting a a few more details that will continue to trickle out about the Las Vegas shooter from back in October. Uh, Police have released a new report into the investigation that offered a few more details about some of the resources that were used in the investigation and even some of the timeline of events that surrounded the attack. Uh, A few more pictures of the hotel suite that the gunman used, information on items of uh, value that were recovered from various scenes. Basically, uh, we have found that there was child pornography on the guy's computer. Numerous photos, child Um, porn. They also said that they believe that, well, they've known for a while that he was planning this for a long time, but that he was searching for information about ballistics and about SWAT tactics he was searching for information about outdoor concert venues, the number of attendees at other concerts in Vegas, the number of people who would go to the beach in Santa Monica, for example. But at this point, they still believe that he has uh, that he did act alone. The FBI is going to put out a much more detailed report sometime later this year. Well, there was a health scare at the Supreme Court today. Uh, paramedics called to the home of Sonia Sotomayor. But uh, Supreme Court spokeswoman says the justice was not hospitalized and went to work Friday after being treated for low blood sugar. She experienced symptoms of low blood sugar at her home this morning. What is that? I don't even know what that looks That's like. That's when you faint. Oh. Probably. Um, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as a child. She now controls that through a combination of uh, synthetic insulin injections, glucose tablets, and regular checks of her blood sugar. So everything is, is fine. She, she ended up going to court. And is just fine. Well, Olympians are in the news today because that monster Larry Nasser is going through his trial. Yeah, these are the impact victim impact statements that are I, I've I've never seen them in a sexual assault case. I've no. seen them in murder cases um, and been in the courtroom for those, which is just, I mean, heart wrenching to see family members and friends of victims explain how the loss of whoever it was affected them well you're talking about some of these women 
Jordan Weber was one of them, for example, who was uh, a 2012 Olympian. She was talented enough to be on the radar of USA Gymnastics since she was eight years old, which unfortunately also means she was on Larry Nasser's radar when she was eight years old. He would bring her food and coffee at the Caroli Center, the training center that's used by the U.S. national team in order to groom her. She was one of two people who um, made headlines today with their victim impact statements. Allie Raceman, the three-time gold medalist, was the other and pulled no punches. You are pathetic to think that anyone would have any sympathy for you. You think this is hard for you? Imagine how all of us feel. Larry, you do realize now that we, this group of women you so heartlessly abused over such a long period of time, are now a force and you are nothing. She also went after USA Gymnastics, though, when it came to what they did or didn't do to protect these girls. I have represented the United States of America in two Olympics and have done so successfully. And both USA Gymnastics and the United States Olympic Committee have been very quick to capitalize and celebrate my success. But did they reach out when I came forward? No. You know, I'm hearing that girl talk. And it is powerful. Her statement's wonderful. She didn't cry she, one tear. She sounds, uh, who is she, probably 22, 24 years 22. old? Yeah. Sounds about 12. Weird. And I, I just think about those gymnasts and, you know, talk about, you know, the Paris story of malnourishment. I, I think that gymnastics circuit is, this isn't the only uh, low key, uh, abuse that goes on. I feel like there's some low-key abuse that goes on with those girls in turn. I mean, they don't. Start menstruating until, if ever, until late. It's just because of overexercise. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this is. She went on to say, Ali Raisman said in her statement, referring to the new president of USA Gymnastics, uh, Carrie Perry, says, "Talk is cheap. I've never met you, and I know you weren't around for most of this. Unfortunately, you have taken on an organization that is rotting from the inside." Okay, I am not going to tell this story. Ah. Uh. You can tell I'm the gonna, story. I'm it is 12. This, this is the height of lunchtime. Lunch be damned. And I am warning you that I have to say it in this way to prevent myself from vomiting. I'm going to clap my hands every once okay. in a while as well to keep my food down. I don't know if I can listen to the story. Fresno man had a daily sushi habit. Oh, no. Let's, I'm just going to stop right there. Oh, no. If you're in Fresno, stay away from the sushi. That is a good life lesson. I think this might be uh, just preventative message to Tim Cates, who eats free sushi multiple times a week. Oh my God, Kate, also a horrible idea. I don't Why know where he gets that. He, he tells me it's not what you know, it's who you know. Okay, That's all okay. he'll say. I'll give him that. And if he's close enough, like anywhere in L.A. County, Orange County, Ventura County, trust the sushi. It's probably fine. Yeah. San Diego, San Francisco, All I'm saying is Seattle, free sushi Portland. is sometimes a we, different story. We've got to get Cates on to talk about this. Fresno is not a good thing. Guy comes in and says to a hospital at Fresno's Community Regional Medical Center, I think I had a tapeworm. And the doctor, Dr. Bond, says, <coughs> how do you know? And he opens up a little plastic grocery bag, and there is no. said tapeworm wrapped no. around an empty toilet paper roll. Yo, wait, 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 no. wait. According to the way the doctor tells the story, which means that the guy probably told it in a much more graphic way, the patient was using the restroom when he noticed what looked like a piece of intestine hanging out of his body. No! No, did it! Now, what would you do? Would you grab it and pull like this guy did? 
No, if I thought yes. it was a piece of intestine, oh you would cry. I'm tripping out. It's you would a, cry uncontrollably. Yeah. Well, oh I would trip out God. if it was a tapeworm also. Well, you wouldn't just leave it there. Doctor says he grabs it and he pulls on no. it. <laughs> and it keeps on coming out. And then he picks the thing up. And again, I have to say it like this so I don't throw up. He picks it up. And what does it do? It starts moving. That's when the man realized that it was a tapeworm. Tapeworm stuck in his insides. He goes to the emergency room. The doctor treats him with a simple single treatment deworming medication that's used on both humans and dogs alike. Did he get it all? Believed to be all of it, yes. But even oh. it, if he didn't, that's why they gave him that single-dose anti-wormer thing. So he could thing. pull some more out. No, well, I think it would just pass as the normal course of... How long was it? Funny you should ask. <laughs> Again, I have to clap my hands to stop <laughs> myself from vomiting. The doctor took it upon himself to measure the specimen because you got to fill out the report. Nope. Uh, he laid out the specimen on the floor of the hospital, which, by the way, never take your shoes off at a hospital. It stretched to five foot six inches long. So that guy had five. So, I'm well, going, you got like 25 feet of intestines. Amy, you're about five, six, right? Yep. It's as tall as me. Wow. I'm going to add this story in there because I think this is important. And again. We should have sold Fresno to the Chinese when we had the chance. <laughs> the way this is written, it's a nationwide story that we got the copy from. The nationwide story. Fresno is located an ample 150 <laughs> miles from coastline and is not exactly famed for its sushi. <clears throat> yeah, you got to get Katie uh, away from sushi. That's a bad thing. Dolly Parton is also trending. She earned Emmys for uh, honors from the Emmys, the Guinness Book of World Records, her 72nd birthday today. Happy birthday, Dolly. Um, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. What led you down the Dolly Parton tattoo hole? I heard that she has tattoos all over her body. That you never, ever see her wearing short sleeves. And you'll never see her wearing sleeves that you can see through. That she has full sleeve tattoos, both arms. She has said that that's not the case, that she has some tattoos. They're for her husband, and she got them to cover up scars. Where? So I'm assuming that would be in the breast area. Right. Maybe. I saw Sorry another... for gesturing. I know. I know exactly where you were going. I <laughs> uh, feel like me too. But the there was another story. Roseanne and uh, somebody else had gone to lunch with Dolly Parton, and she showed them... Uh, just a whole slew of tattoos all covering both sides and that it was angels and butterflies and flowers and stuff. That sounds right. So, And finally, happy National Popcorn Day. Oh, I brought popcorn. Duh, I was waiting for the popcorn. I you thought know that's what? where you went. Well, here's the problem. No, I left because you were talking about the tapeworm. Right. Uh, you know what I don't want to be is that person who makes microwave popcorn at work. Because then it smells like microwave popcorn Just, for a long time. And then John and Ken have to come in yeah. next. Oh. Yeah, and you know how they get. <laughs> That's true. Uh, quick gas go-around, though. I have a very quick question. This better not be about a tapeworm. No, no tapeworms okay. in this one. Uh, the minimum number of popped kernels it would take to stretch from New York City to Los Angeles. 
popped kernels. That's important. Popped kernels. The minimum number of popped kernels from New York City to Los Angeles. Blake Aloysius is done. Why am I always first? Um, I'll go with 100,000. I don't know. 100,000. Got it. Oscar? 20 million. 20 million. Shannon? That was what? 3,000 miles? So how many kernels in a mile? Oh, mine you is, can't Google way kernels right to now, a mile. Mind. Say, uh, huh, 300,000. Uh, nine, uh, 1.4 trillion. Trillion. No. <laughs> Amy King, number of uh, popped kernels to make a trail from New York City to Los Angeles. I'm going to say um, 90 billion. 90 what? Billion. B with a billion B? Yeah. Oscar is the closest at 20 million, but the exact number is... 352,028,160. So not really that close. I think no. it's pretty <laughs> close. But you were closer than 1.4 trillion. <laughs> I got tired of 100, the math. 100,000 isn't looking too bad now. <laughs> I got tired. All right, coming up Does next. Does that mean I win Shannon's popcorn? Yes. Yeah. Gas fantasy foreplay. New explanation because our division, our, sorry, our conference championships coming up this weekend. When we return. What they say. I'm not about to pay nobody's way. Gary and Shannon on this uh, Friday. Swamp Watch coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll pick some football games after we give away $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. And if you don't win this time, well, there is another chance next hour and all the way through the John and Ken Show and the first hour of the Conway Show. We'll pick it up again next week as well. Well, it's time for our Gas Fantasy 4-play, although today it's only going to be a 2-play. Four teams, but two people are two winners. So here's the thing. How are we going to do this, guys? How have we decided uh, the the way that this is going to happen? Blake has a solution. We want you to play along with us. We just can't quite give away the prizes. Because everybody would win with two games. Yes, and we're a little out of gas cards at the moment. But we still want people to play along, and you'll still get followed back on Twitter if you go the perfect two right here. But we heard that we got word that we will have gas cards by Super Bowl in uh, in a couple weeks here, so at that point, then we'll be giving away gas cards again. We'll explain that when we get there. But well, this week, makes... it's just the two games. You get both right. We follow you on Twitter. So we'll do like Super Bowl. You pick a winner and a score or something like that. Yeah, All right. or a plus or a um, combined total. So score, in yeah. this case, we definitely want you to play along with us, but it's just for funds this time, this week. Just to it, assuming for getting Super followed Bowl. on Twitter means nothing to you. Yes. That's yeah, that's point. something. I don't think the show does follow me on Twitter. No, well, you don't tweet anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we have to also say welcome to Ray, Shannon's dad, because uh, Shannon decided several, several weeks ago, I would say week two of the season, that she couldn't do this alone and asked her dad to help. Ray, how are you? I'm fine. Didn't do very well last week. Well, it's a new day, Dad. Yeah, we, that's why. That's why there's. Uh, that's why there's always tomorrow. I or believe in next you. Next Sunday, let's uh. crush this. <laughs> Man. All right. Well, we only have two games. All right. All right. Oscar, what's our first one? First game is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the New England Patriots. Oscar, you get to choose first on this one. I don't know. Tom Brady has, like, some type of broken hand or something like that. But I'm still going to go with the Patriots. All right. Ray, Jaguars. Oh, definitely. Definitely the Patriots. 
All right. Well, listen, folks. This is the year of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the only way you can possibly win. And the only way you can possibly win. We're not talking about that part, Blake. Blake, who do you choose? I'm going with the Pats. I go with my gut. And then the second game on Sunday afternoon, Oscar. Game two is going to be the Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, I'll go first because I know that Blake doesn't care. It's going to be a good game. I'm picking the Eagles on this one. Just taking the home field advantage on that. Ray, who do you choose? Well, I, I think the Eagles. Excellent. And we all know... Just for the terms of uh, safety, it's better if the Eagles win at home than have a bunch of Vikings yes, fans killed. Yes, it's true. I mean, Eagles fans out. throw batteries. Uh, Blake, Vikings, Eagles. I'm going to take, in the battle of the defenses, the better defense to go with the Vikings. Interesting. Like it. All right. I so like I do it. have a chance at taking over here. Well, you also have a chance of going down in flames, and I think we're all rooting for that. <laughs> or even split in uh, no movement. Oscar, who do you choose? I'm also going to go with the Vikings. All right, so there you go. Jaguars at Patriots, Vikings at the Eagles for this conference championship. Play along with us, and again, for this one, it's for fun. We'll follow you back, of course, if you pick both of those games correctly, and then the big winners will be when we choose the Super Bowl in just a couple of weeks. Yep. Ray, have fun on Sunday watching a lot of football. All right. All right. Love you. I'll see you in Vegas. Oh, did you hear that? All right. Bye-bye, Sam. (laughs) Oh, I thought he was only going to say, like, talking to me. No, he just makes tries to make you feel He makes me always. Every time we talk to that guy, I feel great. Good. He's got a bunch of energy, and he's excited. Even those those couple weeks there where he wasn't feeling so good. He still did his job, you know. He he didn't call in sick. He came to play. Still made his picks. Swamp Watch, when we come back, what's the latest on the government shutdown showdown? All of that stuff is coming up next. Gary On and Gary and Shannon. That's what I said. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp launch. Shannon, KFI AM 640. Well, uh, the president this morning called his buddy. No, not really. But he called Democratic leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, and said, why don't you come on over to the White House? Let's talk about this. Let's try to avoid this government shutdown thing. Chuck Schumer emerged later and said that there are still a good number of disagreements with the president. on. We, We had a long and detailed meeting. We discussed all of the major outstanding issues. We made some progress, but we still have a good number of disagreements. The discussions will continue. All right. Well, listen, I stand by this. I know that every hour goes by. I keep saying this. I don't think we're going to have a shutdown. I think they're going to reach a deal. We've done this too many times before over the course of the last 20 years, and there's only been one shutdown, October of 2013. The Democrats are digging in their heels on this one because the short-term deal that's been crafted does not include a DACA protection. Also doesn't include disaster relief. No. uh, It does offer a few things that they were looking for, at least the version that was passed in the House last night. It does extend the Health Care for Kids, the CHIP program for six years. 
and it delays a couple of Obamacare taxes that uh, nobody likes. Uh, the taxes on medical devices, for example, delays those for a couple of years. That's the version that passed in the House. Now, there is no vote scheduled currently in the Senate. And even though Chuck Schumer was called to the White House to go through this whole thing, I don't, I don't know exactly what conversations the president has had with Mitch McConnell on the Republican side of the Senate. Now, the White House had said that they've been in constant communication. I don't know if that's phones or whatever. And we do know that the president has been taking a very active role in all of this and was on the phone late into the night last night talking with several different lawmakers about what this is going to mean, what this uh, what they believe should happen in terms of avoiding some sort of a government shutdown over the course of the next, what is that, eight and a half hours, eight hours and 20 minutes or so. Here's the problem PR-wise that the parties are dealing with. 48% of those surveyed, this is from uh, a survey in ABC News, Washington Post, released today. 48% said that they would blame the president and Republicans if a shutdown could not be averted. 48%. Whether you agree with it or not, that is a problem for Republicans that they don't get a message out there that puts the blame squarely on the Democrats. Now, Mick Mulvaney, who is the budget, uh, the Office of Management and Budget Director, he tried. He tried to get a nickname out there. He tried to call it the Schumer shutdown. He tried to get that thing to stick. It didn't. And if you have 48 percent who believe that the Republicans and the president are the ones who are to blame here, there's not enough uh, somewhere in that PR machine. There's not enough gas going for the Republicans. Well, we are eight hours, 21 minutes and one second. From a shutdown, and already bars in D.C. are getting ready. They are starting with uh, shutdown cocktails. These are fantastic. These are great. Listen to the names here. To flake or not to flake. It's a vodka martini. Extra filthy dirty. Uh, Rand's neighborhood affair. In reference to Rand Paul getting knocked his ass off at the lawnmower. Champagne, peach schnapps, cranberry, grass clippings. <laughs> Come on, the only, Chuck. The only, the only problem I have with that one is I don't think you can get grass clippings anywhere in Washington, D.C. right now. Come on, Chuck is another one. Woodchuck cider and fireball. <laughs> That's And it says Nancy's favorite. Here's a good one. Have you ever met a Haitian? Rum, pineapple, cranberry soda, and guilt. Oh. Porn star punch, which is uh, Stormy Jack Daniels. Fruit punch, soda. Durban soda, bourbon soda, snitch sauce. And Affordable Beer Act. Uh, a natty can, a uh, natty bow can, a shot of Montezuma blue tequila. All of these, by the way, according to this uh, Capital Lounge, it is available starting at when the moment the shutdown would start, which would be 12.01 tomorrow morning. Just five bucks. And every day of the week during the shutdown, five bucks with a federal employee ID. That's a good deal. That is, a, is great a great deal. Let's, Some of those sound really good. We should go to D.C. to cover the shutdown. Hey, don't say that. Why? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Then well, why wouldn't I say it? We'll do all our coverage from that bar. Because if you say it then and we don't go, then I'm going to be disappointed that we didn't go. Because then I have now I have the idea in my – it's like when I talked about Cool Ranch Doritos a second ago. Oh. And you were like, God, I got to get Cool Ranch Doritos. And you didn't get them, and then you were upset. Mm-hmm. Whereas had I not said anything, you never would have been craving Cool Ranch Doritos. Uh, all right. When we come back, some a bunch more 
about what to uh, what's going on in Washington D.C., including some updates on the border wall progress. Uh, another Democratic senator is going to be retried, and uh, the travel ban issue now going before the Supreme Court. All that to come on Swamp Watch here on Gary and Shannon. The family from hell in Paris. Uh, we'll get to that coming up after Amy's news at the top of the hour. Uh, some of the stuff that we've been talking about in uh, Swamp Watch involves obviously the uh, border wall that was part of, at least originally, some of the discussion about the government shutdown and what sort of a continuing resolution would include. The uh, the update on it, we know the prototypes for different types of walls have uh, been tested down along the border outside of San Diego. And Customs and Border Protection Report now says that military special forces based in Florida and some special units from Customs and Border Protection spent three weeks hammering away at these different prototypes, trying to breach and scale the different eight, eight different models that are there outside of San Diego jackhammer saws, torches, and a bunch of other tools and climbing devices to see which one would dispel potential border crossers the best. And uh, it turns out that there were um, each design had some positives and some negatives. They don't pick out an overall winner or they don't rank them, but they did say that the see-through steel barriers that were topped with concrete were probably the best design. And they're conclusion in all of this is that you combine different elements of each of the prototypes depending on what sort of a terrain it is in fact they they describe it almost like putting together different lego kits pulling pieces from different prototypes to use for the different areas that they would the supreme court agreed today to decide the legality of the president's ban on travelers from those six mostly muslim nations this has been about a year battle now over immigration Uh, Homeland Security, some argue religious discrimination. There was a number of lower court rulings against the ban. Uh, So now it looks like it will go right up there to the top. It's the second time that they've agreed to take up the case. Yeah, and that that first time was when it was uh, filed originally by the state of Hawaii. And they... The court eventually kicked it out because the administration changed the program. They revised the program. So this court, by the way, is probably the president's best hope. The, the Supreme, Supreme court. court. Yeah. Yeah. Right because, now, this is a conservative leaning Supreme Court. Well, because of all of the they've they've taken and asked for injunctions against this. And the Supreme Court has, for the most part, allowed the program to exist. Right. Because there's a belief constitutionally, there's a belief that the president has the authority to act unilaterally uh, when it comes to something like immigration, unless it has to do with discrimination specifically against one religion, in this case, uh, Islam. So uh, the other story, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting, is that the federal government is going to retry Senator Robert Menendez. Two months after they had a, a, a mistrial in the corruption case against him, the jury deadlocked back in November, two and a half month trial, one of the uh, one juror told reporters that the jury was 10 to 2 in favor of acquittal 
So why would they retry the case? I don't know, except that that's what they're going to do. This is not going to be good for his uh, re-election campaign, I can tell you that. Uh, but they did say, uh, an acting chief of the public integrity section, the U.S. files this notice of intent to retry the defendants and requests that the court set the case for retrial at the earliest possible date. Of course, it's all about bribery and corruption by Menendez and uh, a doctor. Federal authorities allege Menendez did political favors for this this guy in exchange for hotel stays, private jet flights, and hundreds of thousands of dollars in political contributions. And I think, for the most part, a lot of this goes on all the time. Oh, yeah. It, it does very much so. The president today made a speech uh, to the pro-life movement that was out there. There was a March for Life that was taking place on the Washington uh, Mall. And he spoke from the White House, and it was broadcast on huge video screens just across the street there at the mall. Although there was a uh, there was a strange goof in the middle of it. He did pledge that the administration would always defend the right to life, but then tripped over his words at a key moment, complaining about American laws that allow late-term fetuses to be born. He meant to say late-term fetuses that would be aborted. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> He said, he said, right now in a number of states, the law allows a baby to be born from his mother in the ninth month. It is wrong and it has to change. Hmm. Hmm. Oops. All right, coming up next. You know, I don't know what it is about the Daily Mail and the Mirror, but sometimes they kick the pants off the uh, journalists here would, on, on stories that happen in America. I would say that their uh, their version of vetting information or their their sort of internal you think that they don't have to jump as through as many hoops as a uh, editor's demand from NBC News or whatever well terrible. how the hell did they get this wedding picture of <laughs> oh my gosh i haven't yeah. seen that before i mean that looks pretty vetted <laughs> this is clearly those two monsters uh, we'll on their wedding day the latest on uh, the paris family also lana zack is going to join us we're going to talk quickly about the government shutdown what the latest is in uh, going on in the senate back in dc Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. It's all coming up next. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. We're going to go live to D.C. in a couple minutes. But first, some updates on that house of hell out there in Paris. We're learning more about those people. We're not calling them parents anymore. I'm not calling them parents anymore because that's certainly not what they are. They are monsters. Well, we heard yesterday the details of the torture that they put their 13 kids through. One shower a year, maybe a meal a day. We're chained for days or weeks on end. Totally nocturnal family. Now we're learning that they said their goodbyes just hours after these two were arrested, that the day before, uh, they had told someone, a, a friend or somebody who speaks to them, at least semi-regularly, uh, that they needed to say goodbye because they were ready to leave town. They didn't say where or when they were going. And you uh, pontificated earlier that you think it was going to be some sort of mass suicide or, I guess, a murder suicide. Well, I would have told you on Monday that this, you know, this I, I should say I, I never could have told you on Monday where this case was going to go with 
the shackles with the the feces in the house, just the smell, the conditions, the fact that these kids didn't shower but once a year, they weren't fed regularly. I never would have seen that coming. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they were planning something like that. One of the things I've wondered about is we learned that the the wife uh, left home at 16 with this guy to get married. And it seemed to me like he was the psychopath mastermind behind this whole thing and that he also controlled her. And now we're hearing more details about the beginning of their, I guess, courtship. Um, he kidnapped her, they say, that uh, he kidnapped his 10th grade sweetheart from her high school and took her on this cross-country trip in a, in a quest to elope that he persuaded school employees in Princeton, West Virginia, to release the 16-year-old Louise to him without her parents' knowledge more than 30 years ago, that they got all the way to Texas before they were finally caught and returned home. <laughs> that wedding picture is... Bizarre. He looks like a normal guy, and this is back when his haircut didn't look like he was a, a reject from the monkeys. Just normal hair. She looked like she's a perfectly appropriate for 1984 at that point. Um, the, the woman's sisters are the ones who are speaking out the most. Teresa Robinette is one of the sisters. We played for you some of the sound. She and her husband, a guy named Billy Lambert, uh, are incredibly angry at all of this, as they should be, as everyone else is. And the sister, Teresa, says, I only have four siblings now instead of five. She is off my family tree. She is dead to me. I couldn't care less about speaking to Louise ever again. The husband says, I think they should get life, and that's not spur-of-the-moment anger. I'm not changing that view. She says the mom allowed Louise to date David secretly because she loved him and he was from a Christian family. But they were doing it behind the dad's back. He wasn't aware that they were dating. Well, we can only thank that they've been put in jail, $12 million bail apiece. They're not going anywhere. I think February is the next time we can expect some sort of court uh, procedures from them sometime late in February. All right, to D.C. we go where Lana Zach is standing by. Lana, what, what's the feeling? Are we going to avoid a shutdown or or not? Well, you know, I wish I could just say definitively the answer to that. I wish, you know, I bet you Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell all wish that they could answer that question today, Shannon. But right now, there is sort of a mood of cautious, very, very cautious optimism coming out of uh, Senator Schumer's tete-a-tete with uh, President Trump at the White House. We understand that it was just those two men and their chiefs of staff uh, that were present for that meeting, which lasted a, about an hour. Um, and Schumer, coming back here to the Capitol, said uh, that there was progress made. They discussed all the issues that they had disagreements on, and there are still uh, areas of disagreement, um, and he would not he would not say whether or not he thought a shutdown tonight would be likely. Um, can you explain what was talked about in this meeting between the president and Chuck Schumer? Well, they're keeping it pretty hush-hush at this point, actually. Uh, we've, we've been asking uh, both the White House and Schumer's office more details about what the, what the two men really discussed there. But uh, for right now, it seems like they are keeping it pretty quiet. Schumer meeting uh, with his House counterpart, Nancy Pelosi, uh, as soon as he came back here, as well as uh, the Senate Democratic whip, um, Dick Durbin, who's been on the front lines of all the DACA conversations, no doubt that was part of what uh, what the president and uh, the senator discussed during this. And we also understand that the president has wanted greater protections um, for or, or greater um, 
funding for his border wall and uh, and some other issues that uh, that he feels will help combat illegal immigration that Democrats have been uh, have been less excited about making concessions on. What's more important to the Democrats digging in their heels? Uh, the fact that they are digging in their heels in support of DACA uh, and maybe that helps them more through the midterms next year or not holding up the government and uh coming to a compromise on this. I mean, does it harm them more to hold up the government or to cave on DACA? That's something that might only be determined after the November elections, to be honest with you. They are running a risk right now, according to the latest public opinion polls. Uh, most Americans would blame the Republicans for a shutdown rather than the Democrats. But the Republicans have been working very hard to point the finger at the Democrats, uh, saying that they are trying, that they are willing to shut down the government and um, and are choosing the fates of, of these dreamers over the rest of Americans. That's the dichotomy that they are trying to set up. As of right now, it doesn't look like the rest of America is feeling that way, particularly with the Republicans controlling both houses of Congress and the White House. Uh, but these things can go south for any party, especially as people get more frustrated uh, with government's inability to get the job done. We talked uh, about a half an hour ago about the poll, Washington Post, ABC News put out a poll, and there was a significant number of people who blame Everyone. They blame yeah. the president. They blame the White House. They blame, uh, they blame uh, Republicans in Congress and Democrats in Congress. I, I think that, that I think that that seems pretty fair, Gary. Um, and I, I'll even tell you that there are some members here uh, that, regardless of their own political party, feel like there is blame to be shared by both sides on this. And I think another frustration that we have heard coming from members at the Capitol um, is that. With each of these continuing resolutions, every time it seems to come down to the very wire, instead of um, actually negotiating something in good faith, that there is that there is this um, pony show that that seems to happen every time we come up on another spending deadline. And this is going to be frustrating if they don't reach a deal in the next eight hours or so. Uh, will they stay in D.C.? Will members of Congress stay there? Well, we understand that uh, the president himself, has, who had plans to go to Palm Beach and actually was supposed to be leaving right about now uh, on his way to Florida, has canceled his plans uh, and intends to remain in D.C. until this, uh, this situation is resolved. And members of Congress are likely going to be taking their cues uh, then from the president. Lana Zak, thank you. Thank you. Lana Zak there from Washington, D.C. And again, we don't know exactly what's going on. Some of the higher level meetings that go on, uh, members of Congress, we don't get to know what's going on. And as she referred there, we don't know exactly what was talked about between the president and uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer today. But if uh, if if Chuck Schumer comes out and says that there was some sort of progress made, perhaps that is the sliver of daylight that people are looking for. Uh, just allow them a little bit of room to get some sort of a deal done. Um, I also said that this is not going to happen. I'm going to stick by why, that. Why do you, just because we've been here before and we they, we always seem to uh, uh, avoid it, Because I except think, for 2013? I think they realized in 2013 the damage that was done to people like Ted Cruz, even though he ran for president, that that was stink, squarely on his shoulders. stayed on shoulders, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, Marco Rubio, uh, Mike Lee, if I remember correctly. I mean, these guys wore that mantle 
they wore it proudly going into it, saying, we're going to shut this yeah. down unless we can defund Obamacare. Right. And then you have hundreds of thousands of federal workers who weren't being paid for two weeks. Well, and again, this isn't the end all be all. This is an agreement for the next, what, couple months or something like that. They're four, not even, four weeks. Not even I think actu- it's one month. Yeah, they're not even actually doing any real work or any real compromise or, or coming up with a long-term spending bill. Uh, and I referenced that ABC News Washington Post poll about who would be to blame for all of this. And it, I think it, it actually heartens me. It actually makes me feel good to know that there are more and more people who blame everyone in this case, who say that it's not one side or the other. It's not Republicans. It's not Democrats. It's all of them who share some amount of blame for what's going on. And I think that's true. I think that's the better way to look at it in terms of understanding that there are, you know, for for years there have been the two political parties that have worked so viciously against each other in D.C. to our detriment. The other big story today, of course, is Tom Brady's hand. (laughs) What is going on with it? Well, he just held a press conference. Oh, he did? Question. How is your hand? Tom Brady. We're getting ready for Jacksonville. I'm not talking about it. No, he didn't say yep. that. Question. Thumbs up or some thumbs down for Sunday? Answer. We'll see. My thumb doesn't work, so I can't tell you. Did you throw any footballs today? Tom Brady. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> well, we know he was in practice. He's fine. He did He'll, show up to practice. He's going to play if it's the, I mean, there's there's, there's no way he wouldn't play. It's asinine. It, they need to shoot him up with. Whatever they need to shoot him up with. Well, and for those, for anybody, if they believe this, if they believe that Jacksonville is preparing for a game against the Patriots without Tom Brady, you're you're completely mistaken. Who is the backup? Is it it's Brian uh, Hoyer? Yeah, it's the flunky that left San Francisco. Ooh. That wasn't a straight trade, was it? No, they got a second round uh, pick as well, which is nothing. I mean, I I still can't wrap my head around that, but I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Are we going to talk about movies? Yeah, let's talk about some movie stuff. Mo's going to come in here in a few minutes, right? Okay. But cool. first, let's give away a little bit of money, like a thousand bucks worth of a little bit of money. Mm. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword "bank" to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's "bank" to two hundred two hundred. Do not forget, if you win, they will call you, but chances are you are not going to recognize the number. And if, in fact, you win, uh, they'll call you. If you don't answer the phone, they'll go to the second person, and they'll give that person $1,000 because they're brave enough to answer a call from an unknown number. Speaking of Tom Brady, he's got a movie coming out this weekend called 12 Strong. Yes. That's not true. 12 Strong actually tells the story of the first Special Forces team deployed to Afghanistan after 9-11. But it did come out this weekend that Tom Brady is getting the book treatment and that uh, Hollywood people are picking up the rights for a movie. About Tom Brady? About Tom Brady and about the Super Bowl last year and then all of the, the talk that followed. The come from behind, you know, it's going to be called 12. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Are you sure it's not going to be called Ted 3? No. I love those. Ted 4? I love those movies. Wait, there's, it a, will there's be only pen, two. The book will be uh, written by... Uh, or, or, the book will chronicle Brady's and New England's run to a fifth championship, as will the movie, which will be penned by Oscar-nominated screenwriters. <laughs> wow. 
I mean, he's good. It's deflate gate. They're going to get into that. They're going to get into the suspension and the whole bit. Well, that's why people don't like to rise from the ashes. Stop it. Mo Kelly joins us. Welcome to Mo on the Movies. Don't be ridiculous, darling. It's Mo on the movies. Kissing. Not a chance. Welcome back, man. I feel like I haven't seen you forever. It's been a while. You haven't. I've been avoiding you. Really? Karen. Why? No. no. Have you? No, I haven't been avoiding. Oh. Well, welcome back anyway. Thank you. I've been just a little bit under the weather. And oh. You Did you have some of that stuff? Like that flu, tapeworm? What's yeah, going on? I blame <laughs> Michelle Cube Kelly. Really? Oh, yeah. oh that's right, because you, you were here last issues? week. Yeah, I have to blame somebody, otherwise... I'll move over here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a flu. You're sitting behind a curtain of Clorox wipes over there. <laughs> you understand, this is radio. It, it is impossible <laughs> to escape being exposed You're right. to You're the right. flu. You're right. You're right. There's so many germs. Especially when people come to work when they're sick. <laughs> Was that you? <laughs> yes. All right, All right, so talk to me. Talk to me. I know you're. I don't be... want to see a Tom Brady movie. Yeah, I, I know you're going to be first in line to see Forever My Girl. No, no. I'm not a chick flick type dude. So yeah. Forever My Girl is the one. Uh, this country star comes back home after a decade on the road and be- making making himself famous. Finds out, I guess, that he's got a daughter that he didn't know about who's being taken care of by his family. The thing that absolutely turned me off was in the trailer. It says. If you like Nicholas Sparks movies, you'll love Forever My Girl. Well, that counts and me I, out. Yeah. I didn't even get to the I didn't even get to the second line. I turned the TV off. Well, you've seen The Notebook. That was very good. No, I have not seen The, the notebook, notebook was very uh, good. Wait, was that a Where are you going? No, 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 no. Don't You don't I, get to play that card, Missy. Excellent point. I didn't even think about no. that. Cuz I haven't seen Escape from New York among other movies. It's <laughs> a good place to start. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's that's getting a, a bad set of reviews. I watched the trailer. On. I do like Nicholas Sparks movies, uh, but I watched the trailer. I did not. I felt like it was almost gratuitous with the storyline. It's it's a it's formulaic. Yeah. You know exactly what's going to happen because yeah. he gets back together with the mother of the child. Of and does. she says in the trailer you know, I'm not falling back in love with you. Of course she does. And he says, well, I'm not asking you to fall back in love with me. Mm. And let me guess, they fall back in love with How each other? How did you know? I didn't realize you got to see an early screening of that also. I'm psychic. Oh, okay. <laughs> did you vote, by the way, your SAG after awards? You had to vote today. Uh, is it too late? Yeah, it's too late. Oh God, Noon was the deadline. Oh, I, I was dealing with internal issues. Oh. Is today seriously the deadline? Yeah, that's why I told you earlier you got to vote. Raining outside? Oh boy. Squirrel! Yeah, see what I'm working with here? Uh, Den of Thieves is also coming out today. Den of Thieves with Gerard Butler, Jordan Bridges, Pablo Schreiber, Evan Jones. Crime saga following the lives of an elite unit of the LA County Sheriff's Department and the state's most successful bank robbery crew as the outlaws plan a heist on the Federal Reserve Bank. That looks kind of good. It does, but can I point to you that it's two hours and 20 minutes nope. long? Nope. The last two hour and 20 minute movie I saw was Star Wars The Last Jedi. That didn't go well. <laughs> I can't do that. I, what, why do they make movies so long these days? It's counterintuitive. You would think if it's just a little bit shorter, you'd have more showings. Yeah. You could make more money. But 220 is a turnoff when you have to put another 15 minutes in front of that for previews. Right. 
I saw a movie. The movie I watched last night was uh, The Florida Project, the new one with Willem Dafoe. Um, uh, by the way, I watched the trailer for that this morning, and I was depressed for a solid hour and a half. Just one. And it was you. a two-minute two trailer. Yeah, Willem can do that. Well, the, he plays a guy. Well, I don't know. I don't get, anyway, it's it's an hour and 50 minutes long, 5-0. It needed to be about an hour and 30 minutes, I felt like. And you and the problem with an hour a, a movie like Den of Thieves that's two hours and twenty minutes or even you know the Last Jedi for your example, you feel it and there's a point at which your body oh, maybe yeah. you know you're going in for a movie and and there's a clock that starts right when the movie starts and you give yourself a good hour and forty five minutes and at that point unless it's a completely engrossing movie. You start getting a little itchy. And, and I start looking for scenes. Like, oh, they could have cut that. Oh, right. they damn should have could have cut that. <laughs> oh, um, my gosh. What time is yeah. it? Yeah. That's a good point. And then 12 Strong is also coming out. Chris Hemsworth plays an American. Uh, Michael Shannon, Michael Pena. Uh, the story of the first special forces team that was de- deployed to Afghanistan uh, on, yeah, after 9-11. They have a new captain. They have to work with an Af- Afghan warlord that they're not quite sure about to try to take down the Taliban. The book is supposed to be fantastic. Uh, spoiler alert, we end up winning the battle, even though none of them were expected to make it out. It was basically considered a suicide mission going into it. I just like the cast. I'm going to see it just on the strength of the cast. Um, did you see Michael Shannon in uh, Shape of Water? Because he's been in every movie in, that seemed to have come out in the last four months. He's kind of hot these days yeah. in terms of career. That's got to be a wonderful thing as an actor to see yourself in you know a handful of nominated movies and then to get another movie coming out right after award season that's going to be pretty hot and it's hard it's really difficult to coordinate all of that you just have to get lucky sometimes too because the thing is they could have made these movies three years right right obviously he wasn't doing them all at the same time no um but let's talk about this movie attendance thing we've seen movie attendance fall by six percent over the course of this year but at the same time you're still paying 15 18 bucks to go see a normal movie Fewer people are. Fewer people are, that's yes. The, that's the point. And that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, but yeah. If, are they worried about it, though? I don't know if they're worried about it. I think they would have to be worried about it in terms of the long view of things. Clearly, movie movie attendance is going to continue to decline if the product and also the movie-going experience is not on par with the prices that they're asking. Here's the thing. This new idea of, of making movie theaters more comfortable, bringing food in and cocktails and all that stuff... It's kind of like, if I want to do that, I'm going to stay at home to watch a movie. You know what I mean? If I want cocktails and dinner, I've got a couch and a television there and food and cocktails, right? And my a theater recently, uh, it's, it was kind of an old school theater, and now it's going to go through this whole change, you know? And they're probably, the prices are going to go up too. You know, they're going to have, a, you know, reclining seats or food or cocktails, whatever. And instead of paying, you know, $9 for a matinee or whatever, suddenly it's going to be 16 and I'm probably going to go to the movies less because I just think that's ridiculous. It's exorbitant. Not only do I agree with you, also the quality of movies overall, there are fewer of them. Yeah. So there's even less justification to spend that type of money. I'm, I would spend 8 or $9 on a, a comedy. I'm not spending no. 18 $19 on a comedy. Exactly. No. If it's an Oscar uh, epic movie, I'll probably go because I want to see it on the big screen or big action movie. But right. romantic comedy, which I'm more likely to go see, by the way, I'm not going to go. I'll wait till I can uh, stream it or whatever. Five months, maybe. Right. Exactly. I'll wait. Uh, in that vein, 2002 was the year that theater admissions peaked. It was the year of Sony's first Spider-Man movie, the Lord of the Rings Two Towers. 
They said attendance hit 1.57 billion that year, and that right now we are now at a 22-year low for the industry, for the movie industry. I don't see how they can turn that around, if only because people are accustomed and comfortable with downloading and streaming movies, and they're just other competing options. Well, the only it seems and to you me can the, sit there in your underwear if you want. You don't well, need to put naked. clothes on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the only option it seems to to I guess push back against that would be to a, to make some of these first run bigger movies available the same day in home for a for a premium. I mean, instead of paying like five ninety nine for Wonder Woman right now, you would pay something like I don't know thirty nine ninety nine to watch Twelve Strong tonight if you were to watch it at home, and that would crater the movie industry because we can get four or five friends together right watch the movie. Like we do fight parties. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Movie that's night. Why, that's why I had a bunch of people over to watch Mayweather and McGregor was because <laughs> I didn't want to fork out 100 bucks by myself. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if that's, that means that the future of movie theaters is is dim because, you know, like Shannon said, if they're going to add all of this stuff to make it look a whole lot more like my living room, I'm going to stay in my living room. And there's a tipping point. I mean, there's a point of no return. You can only gouge the consumer so much without it then reflecting back on the actual product that you're selling. I mean, you can dress it up all you want, but at the end of the day, if the movie's not a compelling reason to go see it, then it doesn't matter all the accoutrement that you put all around it. What do you think about the whole movie pass thing? We talked about it a couple of months ago where it's a nine ninety five uh flat fee, nine ninety five a month, and you can go see as much as a movie a day. I don't understand the math if movie pass is still paying the full price of the ticket, or at least the difference between what the consumer is going to pay and what the movie is, movie house is owed. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't I, get the math. I remember we talked about it before. It still I, hasn't come up. I think I read uh, a lot of what they sell is demographics because they'll see since they're registering, you know, who the movie pass person is. You know, they have all of your information, and then when you go register to see whatever movie it is. Well, now they know all your information. They pass that stuff along after. But so, that's still a crazy price at nine ninety five because right. that's less than it would. I mean, nine ninety five is what you would is less than what you would pay for one movie if you were to just go right now. Even for a matinee price, it'd be ten or eleven bucks. And if I see five or six a month, let's say that's sixty dollars that I um um using of, of the movie industry through Movie Pass. Well, the actual price of those tickets could easily be a hundred and fifty dollars. All right, uh, let me bring you back to 1999. Were you in the music industry in 1999? Absolutely. All right, would you have signed this guy? That's an Isaac Hayes sample. Uh, It's Tom Hardy. Actor Tom Hardy. Yeah. Mad Max? Uh, They released a 1999 mixtape. Uh, he did it with a guy named, uh, what was his name? Let me see if I can find his name. Oh, Eddie Too Tall. They call themselves Tommy Number One and Eddie Too Tall. And the album that they put together was called Falling on Your Arse. And that's a song right there called, uh, We Make the Beat. So. Doesn't sound bad. It's not bad. I was just gonna say, it's not bad. No. And it's funny because it was, I guess they've been sitting on this for a while. In 2011, Tom Hardy told the BBC that he'd had this recording deal as a rapper when he was a teenager. 
but he refused to allow them to listen to any of the tracks that he did. Somebody posted it onto uh, SoundCloud just the last couple of days. Do you guys have any uh, mixtapes from the 90s that you haven't uh, let out yet? That we perform on? As an artist? No. No, I don't have any delusions of grandeur. I'm clear on who I am. It would be funny, though, to find a mixtape. You're a good singer. Yeah, but a mixtape means like hip hop. No, it doesn't. Nothing. It can mean anything. It can be ballads. It can. Mean... It could be. It could be your different songs from all the different genres. I think that you're you... both good singers. Is that correct? To... I, I was I'm playing right. around with being an artist when I was college age, and then I found myself no the the way to make some money and have a career is to go on the business side. Of things. Right. When you start figuring out how things are done. Yeah. yeah. Own the company. Yeah. Yeah. Don't work for the guy who owns the Right. Company. I didn't want to be Janet Jackson going out on tour when I was 55, 60 years old. You want to be Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who have all the publishing rights and, and Babyface and so forth, who make money while they're asleep. Didn't you want to be Janet Jackson a little bit in the Rhythm Nation video, though? No, I wanted to date <laughs> Janet Jackson back then. Oh. I remember memorizing that whole thing. The moves, yeah. the dance choreography. Oh, so good. Mo Kelly, host of the Mo Kelly Show. Hear him tomorrow night and Sunday night, 6 to 8, right here on KFI. Thanks, Mom. See you soon. Coming back. Good dog, bad dog. I think you should put out a mixtape of uh, Disney songs. Delta, it's not really a mixtape at that point. You could do um, Let It Go from Frozen. All right. You could do... uh, What's the one you do from from Beauty and the Beast? Gaston? Sure. No one, whatever, like Gaston? Mixtape makes it sound. You do Ariel, Under the Sea. Alex Stone is going to join us in a few minutes. Do you have anything from Aladdin? Do you do a whole new world? Yeah, you do do a mean whole new world, if I remember correctly. Amy King, what's going on? Wouldn't you think I'm a girl, a girl who has everything? I guess Google already called the Super Bowl. People noticed that searches for Super Bowl appearances for both the Patriots and the Vikings both produced Super Bowl. <clears throat> this Super Bowl is a result for both clubs. Uh-huh. Both came up with uh, 52 there. Wait, did you say uh, Jaguars? No. Jag- oh, that, that, that's weird, Gary. They didn't say that one. Jags by 10, baby. Somebody at Google Google prematurely published images for the four teams remaining in the playoffs, but Super Bowl 52 does not appear in searches regarding the Jaguars or Eagles. <laughs> it wasn't rectified until 4 p.m. Eastern. Go Blake Bortles. Go Blake Bortles. <clears throat> Alex Stone joins us now to talk about the... Investi- I guess the preliminary report that's 81 pages about the uh, Las Vegas shooter. Hey, guys, yeah, the uh, the sheriff today saying that uh, this is odd for him to put out their preliminary report that they put together, that it's not something they would normally release to the public, but that he feels he has to do it because there's been so much speculation, so many conspiracy theories about there being multiple gunmen and so many different things that have been uh, speculated, not to mention that we haven't heard from the sheriff in over three months, that all of a sudden he just shut down communication. Their public information office wouldn't respond to any requests for information, which fueled a lot of this going on. In fact, the media, ABC included, uh, were suing the the police department in Las Vegas for access to information. Uh, And a judge is likely going to, to respond to that next week, ordering them to give over documents that we feel we should have access to back from October that shouldn't have any bearing on their investigation now. Uh, but so he jumped out today, one week before the judge is likely going to, to rule, 
and said, here's our preliminary report. Here's what we want to tell you. So uh, what was in this that we didn't know of before? I understand there were some new pictures of the uh, of the room, but anything else? There weren't any big headlines. Yeah, we saw some of the pictures, but many similar pictures had been leaked back when all of this was unfolding uh, in the, the weeks after the shooting. The biggest headline really is that they don't have a motive, that they have not been able to figure out why Stephen Paddock carried this out. He did not leave any kind of manifesto, any kind of suicide note. There are no clues. The FBI's behavioral analysis unit is still working on it. They hope that that will lead to, to figuring out why he did this. But they say right now they still have no idea. It was not some kind of radicalization. Still, there were all kinds of theories floating around that he had been radicalized and nobody wanted to talk about it. The sheriff says absolutely not, that he had no connection to, to ISIS or anybody, any other group. Also, the, the person of interest in the case early on, Mary Lou Danley, his girlfriend, who in some documents that we, we fought in court and did get from the federal government, uh, that she was called the most likely person involved in this. He says no, that she is not going to be charged, that that's not going to happen. Uh, there is a potential that somebody will face federal charges linked to this case, who they are, who the FBI is investigating, uh, he says, and who we've heard about in court. Uh, but they won't give any clue who that is. And it's probably kind of like San Bernardino, somebody who is kind of detached from the whole thing, but had some link in buying the weapons or something else. But they say that, that Paddock carried this out on his own, that he was a one-man band when he actually carried it out. So it likely goes to, to something in the planning stage that the person may or may not have actually known what it was being used for. Do we um, – the reiteration today that this guy was the lone shooter – almost flies in the face of the idea that they are still looking at one person. And they've said, like you just mentioned, it's not Marilu Danley, but that they are still looking into this unnamed person of interest. Yeah, but again, not for the actual shooting, because they've made it quite clear that they think he acted alone there. So, you know, almost like Marquez in San Bernardino, this is likely going to turn out to be somebody who bought a gun and handed it to him illegally or helped him get something illegally, but may or may not have known what he was getting it for. One of those conspiracy theories has been that there were actually multiple gunmen. And, and, and I can tell you from being there that night, remember, we were all in town because O.J. Simpson was being released from prison, and, and we were all in Vegas thinking it was just going to be a story about Simpson, and it turned out to be this. Going into the scene that night and everybody running out, everybody thought there were multiple gunmen that night. They were getting reports from numerous casinos and hotels of gunmen there and gunmen over here and sounds here and there. But it turned out like pretty much every mass shooting. It happened in Columbine where they thought there were numerous shootings. It happened to shooters. It happened in San Bernardino. They thought there were a lot more than uh, than, than the two who did that. That it, it turned out that a lot of that was sound ricocheting off the buildings along the strip. Uh, some of it was civilians who pulled out their own guns and, and responded to it, that, that, that they thought that they were going to defend themselves. Uh, there were undercover officers who went running down the strip with their guns out, and that got called in as multiple shooters. Investigators, and from everything that we have seen, there has not been a shred of evidence to show that there was more than one gunman. Even in the audio that you hear, it's clearly coming from one gun, and it all goes back to the paddock. There is no indication that in reality, in the end, there was more than one gunman. Alex Stone, excellent stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Coming back, the good dog, bad dog. Delta wants to know about your dog before you get on that plane. Get it. Also, on the website, yes, you've got to see this video. The tapeworm? No, that's different. 
the private security guard who shoots those robbers at the 7-Eleven in Gardena, someone is a badass. Is he in a bird shirt? Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Well, let me get to the point. Let's roll another joint. Turn the radio loud. I'm too alone to be proud. Gary and Shannon. Hey, before we get to this Delta Dog story. 1995, our flashback Friday year. Go Jacksonville Jaguars. Did you hear about the CNBC news crew? That got arrested because they tried to sneak a fake explosive device through security at Newark. Seven people, members of the cable television crew, got arrested. Jane Wells was not among them. No, she wouldn't do that. She would have she would have smacked sense into the other seven people. The fake explosive device was a length of PVC pipe with wires sticking out from it. Oh my god. Idiot. Who comes up with that uh, that assignment and goes, Yeah, that's a great idea. Freaking Oscar somewhere is like this is what you guys should do. Gary First and Shannon, all, this is what you guys Oscar should do. Does See, not sound try like to go that. to LAX. But I'll say that, and then I'll laugh my way through it, and then we we all have a laugh together about it. That's we true. know how ridiculous that sounds. <laughs> right. But if it wasn't us, but nobody you would dupe, You would dupe another couple dupe hosts somebody into doing into it. doing it. Yeah, maybe nobody laughed. <laughs> uh, Del- speaking of airports, Delta says that they're going to require owners of service animals and support animals to now provide information about the animals. Before the animal can fly in the animal passenger cabin, including an assurance that the animal is trained to behave itself. The airline says complaints about animals biting or soiling plane cabins have doubled since 2016. I cannot remember the last time. Wait a minute. When we flew, was there a dog on one of those planes? I don't remember. No, I take that back. I flew to Phoenix over the summer. That's what it was. When I flew to Phoenix over the summer, there was a dog in the front of the plane, like first class front of the plane, a big, hairy uh, golden retriever. It's more common than not now to get the dogs on the planes. Um, and I love the idea of traveling with my dog. But again, the idea of it, because I have this romanticized picture of me sitting there with like a, a screwdriver and him sitting there with a, a scotch. You, he's, he's totally a scotch. He's a Scottish terrier. Right. Uh, sitting there, enjoy it. You know, he's just looking out the window. You should give him a little scotch and see what happens. That's animal abuse. No, like a, uh, like a, like we talked about, like a drop on the like finger. He's, like he's gumming or teething. Gumming. <laughs> like he's teething. <laughs> yes, I'll do that. Yes. You're not allowed to do that next time you come over, by the way. No, I would never do that. Right, That's animal abuse. All right. Well, uh, go Jags once again. No. My point. No one's saying that. Have fun. I hope Blake Bortles puts on a good show. The, I want to see a good game. The video is still up on the website. Go check Just it out. It's the, not going to happen. The security guard, the armed security guard who shoots at the- oh, uh, This the, is my favorite thing of the day. The guys who were in the 7-Eleven and Gardena. But it, the gun's fake. The gun's fake. Yeah, well, mine's real. <laughs> Classic line. All right. See you Monday. Stay dry, everybody. Gary and Shannon's side studio show. Listen, after 2 o'clock, words don't work for me. Coming up later this morning. Coming up later this morning. Coming up later this morning on the Gary and Shannon show. All the latest coming out of, what are we talking about? And Monica Ricks joins us about what a mature marijuana. And then we wrap it up with Tasty Tuesday with Neil Saavedra. That's 500 minutes long. What are you eating? M&M's. What? I know. They have dark chocolate ones. <laughs>
<laughs> Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon Show. Why is the opioid epidemic a big deal? Because we need it or because there's just a lot of opioids and out there? A- fun to say. Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon Show. Why the opioid emidet? Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon Show. Why do we turn to opioids? Was it out of despair or just because they are a lot of (laughs) (laughs) Coming up later (laughs) I'd like an opioid right now. Petros, thank you. No, you still have one more clip, Shannon. Oh, all right. Let's do it. How dare you? Let's do it. How dare you try to catapult me from this show before I've played all the clips? <laughs> What's the third clip? You can't just yardapult me into somebody else's yard. You know, on this show, we actually have to take our breaks. I know. Unlike yeah. Petros yeah, and Money. To the news. Spread in your. B- <laughs> no, I just don't know anymore. This has been Gary and Shannon's side studio. Stay tuned for more outtakes and bloopers. Stay outtakes and bloopers. Oh, you know what I'm saying. We're going to keep screwing up. Listen, ladies, it's been real and it's been fun. But has it been real fun? Mm -mm. Nope. Gary and Shannon.